0: That's blue Nile.com.
1: Welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every week. I'm Broderick Gordas. I'm Damask Leary. And today we'll be discussing the final season, season five of The Wire. Damask, what should I expect now that I'm turning 30 years old?
2: Oh, death I think.
1: I'm getting it's ever, ever closer. <laughs> every ever every closer. day, buddy. Every I day. Definitely had a little bit of a, a little
0: bit of a, crisis, a crisis, yeah. Crisis
1: uh, leading up to it. Now that I've turned 30, mm. just as my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I'm feeling a bit better about the whole thing. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, I feel the same. Mm. But there was that week I was a little bit like, I think I'm a bit of a depresso this week. And I yeah. can only put it to one thing.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm, only, I'm quite young. I'm only 29. Um, <laughs> but I, too, lately uh, have been having a bit of. Not a life crisis, but a creative crisis. You're like, I'm getting older. Mm. Where's my creative career going? Mm. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Mm. I better get everything done before I die.
1: Before you die. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. I think was, uh, was I I keep hearing this story about James Cameron was like, he was a truck driver until he was like 35 or something right. like that and then started doing stuff. It's okay. We're young. It's yeah, fine. We, we can sure. still get there. Yeah. It's cool. Keep
2: telling <laughs> Keep, Keep telling, telling ourselves. That. <laughs> yeah.
1: Reassure ourselves. It's weird, though, that 30 means something. Like that number, mm. just not be able to say I'm in my 20s anymore. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm in my 30s. Fuck that shit.
2: Yeah, it hit me a few years ago that when teenagers look at me, they're like, that like, that lady, that yeah, old lady. The
1: first time you hear that man yeah, yeah. or that lady, it's just yeah. like, oh, God. Yeah. That was Excuse me. Excuse
2: me, ma'am. Excuse <laughs> me.
1: Yeah. How dare you? How dare you, sir? All right, let's get into it. Off topic, hot topic, that's whatever you were talking about for you. Okay, so this week, first some Brian Fuller watch, there was nothing, he's done nothing this week, which is sad, but uh, we do have some um, exciting news, actually, as always, give me a yay or nay on this one, this Mm -hmm. one's real quick, Um, this is just an update on a previous story I had, Um, this is from Boris Kitt at The Hollywood Reporter, Batgirl movie back on now with Bumblebee Writer.
2: Bumblebee writer, what does that mean? So, so it's a yay for me. Yeah. So,
1: this is a yay. Okay, cool. So, basically, we were talking about the other day how um, a few weeks ago that Joss Whedon had left, Joss Whedon, had left yeah. the Batgirl film. And we're like, um, what's going to happen with that? They're probably just not going to do it anymore. And that was a suspicion we had was that, oh, I'll just put on the back burner will disappear, disappear. yeah. Way into the background. Well, apparently, they've found someone pretty quickly. Um, Christina Hodson will now write the script that was previously being worked on by Joss Whedon. She has written the uh, Bumblebee film, which is coming out soon. So, this is a spin-off of Transformers. Transformers. Mm. Not being directed by Michael Bay, I believe, this film. Right. We don't know anything about this film really at this stage. But this suggests there's some- um, positivity around this script and what she's written because she's given this Batgirl gig. So that's yeah. cool. It's okay, so exciting. Cool. There's not much more else to it than that, but I just thought that was an interesting little update that that didn't die on the vine in the mm. end. So that's cool for that. Um, the next story. Mm, uh, this is from Daniel Holloway at Variety. FX orders Why the Last Man pilot.
2: I thought wasn't this already happening?
1: <laughs> well, this is this is the trick with this uh, thing, right? Okay, okay so I'll, go, I'll I'll read the article out to you. <clears throat> so Michael Green. Famous for American Gods. Yes. Uh, Blade Runner 2049 and Logan. Good writer, that That's guy. That's pretty good, yeah. Yep. And Ada Mashaka Kroll, um, who wrote for Luke Cage and Turn, which I'm not aware of Turn, mm. are set to serve as co-showrunners on the project and will executive produce alongside Nina Jacobson and Brad Simpson of Color Force. Um w- and there's also... Oh, Brian K. Vaughan is also going to produce. And Melina um, Matsukis will direct the pilot and will serve as an executive producer. So, Why the Last Man is explores gender, race, class, and survival. Um, it's a post-apo- post-apocalyptic science fiction story that takes place in a world in which all men, except for one, are dead. Beginning in 2002, the comic book series... I'll bring this up because it's a comic book series... Mm-hmm. By Vaughan and Pia Guerra and published by DC Comics, ran for 60 issues. It received three Eisner Awards and top honour in the comic book industry, as well as the first Hugo Award for Best Graphic Story. Uh, why the last man has long has a long development history with the rights first being acquired by new line for a potential feature film more than a decade ago as recently as 2013 Dan trachtenberg uh, had been trapped to direct a film or t- t- tapped to direct a film adaptation <laughs> that never came to fruition so Dan trachtenberg he used to do a lot of podcasting stuff online around right. film and games I think and then he went and did uh, a portal Themed um, short film and then end up directing oh. Ten Cloverfield Lane. And so oh, cool. then he was all of a sudden attached to this, so I was getting excited because I sort of like his work. Mm. Anyway, after New Line's lease lapsed, sorry, rights lapsed, FX began work on a series adaptation that has been in development for more than two years. So, wow. putting this all in context. I fucking love Why the Last Man.
2: Yeah, you do. It is my
1: favourite comic book series of all time. It was so good. And not long after I finished reading the series, I was a little bit behind it when it was released, um, but not too long. they There was talk of it being a film. I've seen and actually read scripts like drafts of mm. this film. They were getting around the internet, leaked and so forth. Right. And I've been excited about them making something with this for ages, but I've always thought a TV show is the best way to do yeah, it.
2: You've said that quite a few times.
1: And the thing is, Brian K. Vaughan, the writer, writes for TV. He's written some of the best episodes of Lost going around. Mm-hmm. He was a showrunner on Under the Dome, I think, as well, and a few okay. other things. I don't know how good that show was, but he gets around that sort of stuff. And so it always just made sense to me, why is this story that's very serialised, mm. has all these little... It's like one... Obvious story that could be broken up into one film or even three films. This is something with so many different characters and perspectives. Mm. It would work so well as a television show. It'd be amazing for female um, creatives as well. Writers, directors, actors. It'd be brilliant for that because there really is only one male character. Every Mm. other person has to be a woman. It's the right time for this sort of show. So when FX said they were doing it, fingers crossed, this was gonna actually happen, and now they're doing a pilot that there's actually gonna be something put in something front of a camera. Being
2: filmed, yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> it's
1: because it's been like it's a
2: birthday present to you. Isn't it, it really
1: was. It was like ten years of just, can they please make this mm. show? The fear is still, even with Michael Green, who I think is a fairly, you know, good creative, mm. that they could get it wrong. Like they have a potential to stuff this yeah. up as well. But if it works, man, it could be so good.
2: That's well, exciting. And hopefully it can be um, FX's you know, Game of Thrones type situation where it just kind of blows up.
1: I would love that. It could be... Oh, man, it'd be so good. So exciting times there. Um, have you read that, by the way, while the last No, minute?
2: you keep telling me to, but no.
1: I've got them all. I know.
2: Hmm. Just hand them on over there. How are
1: you going with your uh, Marvel Comic uh, Unlimited thing, by the way?
2: Yeah, really good. I'm still getting through Civil War. Yeah? There's like 98 issues. How are you, you know?
1: finding Civil War as a... Because you're reading all of, mm. like, the different spin-off things yes, and stuff like I that, am. right?
2: I'm really enjoying it.
1: Yeah? Yeah. It's- all of them or any of them that are particular standouts or... Um,
2: I'm loving the Spider-Man stuff.
1: Because the Spider-Man stuff... This is spoilers for someone that's like ten years old, right? Yeah. <laughs> he comes out as and reveals he's Peter Parker he's a, at the yes, start Civil War, right? Does. That's sort of the whole thing. It's like registration versus non-registration, is yeah. Because right?
2: he's you know he's good, good friends with Iron Man, and Iron Man is obviously on the side of you know superheroes coming out um, and following the law, and so Spider Man, out of loyalty, does that for him. He's kind of his poster child of the superheroes that can come out and yep. live a lawful life. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's good. good Wonder stuff. how
1: that goes for Spider Man.
2: <laughs> Look, he's already um, doubting pretty hard his <laughs> his, his decision. decision. Yeah,
1: mm. there's when you get to the end of this, mm. um, not such a plot thing, but what they do. Like sometimes in comic books, they have this thing where they have to sort of like reshuffle continuity and stuff. Mm. There's a really interesting thing that happens at the end of Civil War. that I'm interested to get your take on as Ooh, well. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, right. So this next uh, this new story story comes from Sam Barsanti at T- AV Club. Westworld's creators want to give all of season two secrets to Reddit ahead of time. Did you hear about this?
2: I saw the headline and yes. I saw, I think Joanna Robinson was really angry about something. So but you I don't didn't, know what But I've, I've been too busy this week that I haven't been able to dive into it. Gotcha. Okay. So, that's a definite yay from me.
1: So, the general gist of this is, um, I think it was Christopher Nolan got on Reddit, on one of the Westworld Reddit subreddits and said, mm. Hey, so what we want to do, one of the things that happened in the first season, this is me paraphrasing this, by the way, is he is that people were sort of guessing ahead of time. Mm-hmm. So, they were posting things as theories and people felt that that was spoilery. Because the internet's like a hive mind these days, yeah. people can figure things out ahead of times. And for some people, we thought that might be an the experience. So, what we want to do with season two instead is actually just give you a video that's a primer that's going to tell you everything that happens plot-wise for season two. Because what it'll mean is people who wanna there are some people who will be able to protect others from this. So think of Game of Thrones, right? Where mm. somehow, even though there were already five books out of whatever it was, and the plot was out there, most people watching it who hadn't read the books were not being spoiled ahead of time.
2: Yeah, there's a level of respect there, I think, between readers and new viewers.
1: There was there was something going on where the community was like self-preserving these spoilers and mm-hmm. keeping people um spoiler free. And so the idea was well, if some people who are interested in this can get ahead of time, they can also be the ones who can go on and know when theories yeah. are being actually spoilers in disguise yeah. and protect people from this stuff.
2: Well, I think there's, yeah, there's a shift in the way people who know things or figure things out, their perspective shifts, I guess. It goes from. Let me prove on every forum possible that I am smarter than you. Yes. It goes to, well, I already know, and you know that I know, so I don't need to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly right. So, um, with Joanna Robinson and a few other critics in particular who cover TV mm. were really excited by this. Joanna is a great example because on their Game of Thrones podcast, they do a cast of Kings. Mm-hmm. She's read all the books. Yes. And she sees all the trailers and promo stuff and behind-the-scenes things when... Like, the spoilery stuff that comes out before the show even comes yeah. out. And she's up for that. And then Dave Chen, who's on the show, who's the sort of the one, the innocent one. Yeah, the newbie. The newbie. Yeah. He, she does a really great job of when he asks a question that she knows will have a spoilery answer, yeah, she just goes, no comment, mm-hmm. and leaves it at that. And keeps him in an experience, and the audience who's listening, including myself most of the time, in an experience where they don't get spoiled. And it's yeah. great to have, be able to listen and be part of this discussion... Mm-hmm. Get inside that
2: is going to affect your experience.
1: Totally right. And so, the same thing could happen with Westworld. They do another Westworld podcast. I can't remember what it's called now. But the- uh,
2: Stormer Spoilers?
1: No, there's a specific Westworld one.
2: Oh, sorry, Westworld.
1: Yeah, uh, Decoding Westworld. Lovely. And the same thing could have happened this time. Joanna could have gone ahead of time. David can be the, the newbie or whatever, mm-hmm. the, the virgin. And that could be the same experience for that show. So, she's like, this is really cool. We can actually make this work. Yeah. Ta- Tasha, I think it's Tasha Robinson as well or a few other people with a similar sort of scenario. So, what do you think about this idea? Does this make sense to you or not?
2: Um. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's it could be a clever idea. I think I know what actually happened though. What but-
1: happened? Damas? do you know?
2: Would it be a classic rickroll situation?
1: It was. It was a very clever rickroll. <laughs> so basically, the deal was that from Christopher Nolan, that if this thing on Reddit gets a thousand upvotes, mm. then they'll release the video. And even early on, before they released the video, a few people were like, "A thousand's a little low. This is mm-hmm. seems suspicious. This seems like a setup." Yeah. So anyway, gets to a thousand upvotes. A video is released. It's. 20 or 40 minutes long or something like that oh my gosh which makes you think oh my god this could really be happening yeah. and so the video starts and i don't want to give any spoilers for westworld right but it starts and it's it's all new footage mm. it's there there's things happening there's this narrator uh and it's being narrated really well and you're like holy fuck they're doing it <laughs> and then it gets to about a minute in mm. and then all of a sudden um it's switches to they're in like the suite whatever it is, the main town area. Yeah. And it's just the actress that plays Dolores and one of the actresses that plays one of the prostitutes. The, she's playing the piano and Dolores is singing, they're going to give you up. <laughs> and it actually took me a while to figure out what was happening. Um, That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And then after it goes, yeah. after the, they finish the song, it just goes to... Uh, I think it says something like, we're uh, really looking forward to everybody seeing the show. Season two, is going to be great. And there's just 20 minutes of a dog in front of a piano and some of the Westworld music playing in the background <laughs> just to fill up the rest of that space. Uh, so, that's why Joanna Robinson got angry. Yeah. She felt like this was actually a really cool idea. Yeah. And now I think a few people are worried that like the fandom has been like poked with a stick and people oh are going to be aggressive about spoiling things. Or getting ahead of the game and stuff like that, which I mean, that says more about fandom than it
2: does. It does about be- the the choice to rickroll people.
1: But the, but I I don't know. It feels and I can see how that's antagonistic act behavior.
2: It's such like a. It's just a fun little joke. I I like, I,
1: I think it's funny. Yeah, but I just think that.
2: God, people take themselves way too seriously. Yes, way that, too seriously. Have you
1: seen the backlash to the Last Jedi? Fucking oath. There's, <laughs> there are people that, if you look at a single post for the Last Jedi, the first comment someone going, "No, nah, it was shit." Like, and that, and if you look through those yeah. people's feeds, that's their entire fucking existence. Yeah, is just going and there's on a sense Star Wars. Of posts ownership
2: and about it that, and like, like sometimes you know, I can get that sense of ownership about a property that I really love as well. But I'm not going out of my way to attack people who created it or to attack people that enjoyed something that I don't necessarily enjoy.
1: No,
0: it's just because like, you're a sensible person. Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's like, God, people need I
1: don't know, a, some, a life. Yeah.
2: Or just their own creative endeavor to put that amount of energy that's into. A be-
1: that, that's a better way of putting yeah. it. I mean, that's that's just sort of the subtext of a life. Just yeah. do something productive. Stop mm-hmm. putting all your energy into this ridiculously negative and destructive behavior that has... About a property that's a million dollar franchise yeah. from a studio, like mm. silly thing to be doing with your life. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on, I got one more story for you. Um, John Hopewell at Variety writes: "The Why Is David Simon Developing New Series Set During Spanish Civil War?" Oh, cool! So, uh, that's a yay. <laughs> So this is David Simon and Spain's uh, Media Pro, who made the Young Pope, I believe, are in early development on a run, a, a dry run, a drama series following members of the Abraham Lincoln Battalion who came to Spain from the U.S. to fight fascism during the Spanish Civil War. The scripts have been outlined, and George Pelicanos and Dennis Lehan, Lehan, both of whom worked on The Wire, have committed to a dry run as writers. The show is so far conceived as a six-hour miniseries, though that could change as the stories develop. Said Media. Pro. Pro Founder jaden J Jay, Let's have a look. J A U M E space R O U R E S.
2: I I mean, I don't
1: know. No, I got nothing on that okay. one. Sorry. <laughs> so, I really apologize. I apologize. Warnay? Warnay? Sorry, I, don't know, I don't know. Could sorry. be, actually. Sorry. Good point. Yeah. I apologize, JR. Uh, right. So, what do you feel about this one? I'm down. You're down? I'm down. You want to see I'm more Damon, Damon, I, Damon, Damon i I hope
2: it's. Did you ever watch Spielberg's Lincoln or whatever it was called? No, was called, I right? actually
1: haven't. Unwatchable. Really? <laughs> I hate it. People loved
2: that. I, ha- I sat here. I was like, I have no idea what they are saying. It was just, it was so in depth. It was, oh God, it was just talking and talking about things I didn't understand and it hurt my brain and I didn't, I was like, this is not fun to watch at all. It's not like, I didn't even find it intriguing because it was just, I don't know, just a whole lot of talking. It was very boring.
1: That, I mean, that's the sort of sh- movies that's been making. If you've seen um, The Post, not The Post. Yeah, The Post. The Post is a bit no. like that. Just a lot of people talking in rooms. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is about interesting stuff, but sometimes it's like, it's maybe yeah, I move mean, outside, guys. Or I do think something you can talk else. about
2: interesting stuff. You just need interesting dialogue,
1: I guess. Yeah, that helps a lot. A
2: way to say it that engages people.
1: Um the thing is in researching this I was like, oh well I wonder what else David Simon's done. I don't really know him outside the wire. So I had a look at quick look at his IMDB page. And in the past he's made, made um
2: Homicide.
1: Well that see that was before the Wire, I'm yeah, pretty sure. Yeah. And then post the wire. Oh okay you know yeah. the wire being considered one of the best series ever made. He's done a couple of little mini series things and been attached to a few different things but I don't think he's really run anything except apparently there's a show that's finished season 1 recently called The Deuce which is getting ridiculous acclaim that he that I didn't even know existed
2: it sounds vaguely familiar but i don't know what it is it's, or about, what it's about
1: uh it's set during i want to say it's like the 1970s new york around times square it's about like uh, the porn scene i think oh and all the stuff i've read on it is so that's really great and now i'm just like we need to add this to our list season 2 is going to be coming out sometime this year or next year huh. we right should on. do that because i'm pretty keen for if it's any good yeah if this is like, yeah, people calling you know the his first real successor to the Y, I'm like yeah, I am down for that. Um, that's it from me. What have you been watching?
2: All right, as per usual, I've been filling all my spare time with reality TV. So we have a new little segment. It's called Damask's Reality Check.
0: I love Feel it. free
2: to fast forward if you know you are a little too high brow for this. I don't give a fuck. All right, the first thing I've been watching is the New York Housewives. They are back. Now, this is my second favourite Housewives franchise, of course, after Atlanta. And I feel like I've been waiting, you know, a million years. It's probably been three to four weeks. Um, Bethany continues to prove herself to be an unrelatable monster. I kind of – now, she was in, like, the original – New York Housewives. Right. She then became very successful, went on to do a daytime TV show that was not successful. Right. She's got an alcohol line that has made her millions, apparently, millions and millions. Um, and she's come back and she's just a goddamn buzzkill. Because okay. she's like a multi-million
1: dollar... Multi-millionaire.
2: Thank you, God. It's, it's early in the morning. <laughs> um, and now she just thinks she's better than anyone, and I just want her to be recast. Thank you. Um, I've also been watching the Atlanta Housewives because it is reunion time, which for any Housewives fan, this is like Christmas when a reunion starts. I believe the Atlanta Housewives reunion is going to be a four-parter which means it is full of juice. Ooh. It is going to be
1: full of some good like fucking infin- Infinity War for... Uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Real Housewives of Atlanta. That, that is it. I wonder, could they ever do a crossover with the Housewives you really from different areas? really relatable to others don't <laughs> yeah. like Housewives. Um, could they do that, do you reckon? Would they, yeah, would except that be the Housewives
2: would fucking win. They would just kick... Any Marvel heroes ask.
1: No, no, no. I mean, like... No, I meant... Can we, like, see, like, New York Real oh, Lives oh, they sometimes Atlanta, do, that. Like, do like, a crossover event?
2: Particularly New York and Beverly Hills have done a few crossovers because uh-huh. a couple of the ladies are friends right. because a lot of them have come from money, so they yep. know each other, that kind of thing. Um, and this year in Atlanta, it's mostly been focused on the fallout of the bizarre rape allegations of last season. Um Mm. Yeah, it's because, okay, so one of the housewives, Portia, accused Candy of tr- her and her husband um, trying to slip something in Portia's drink to then take advantage of her. Total lie. Has come out as just being completely false. A t- just a false allegation, like terrible, terrible thing to do. So that happened last season. So we've been dealing with the fallout from that. What else has been happening this season? Oh, Kim Zolziak is back. She was an original Atlanta housewife. She's got her own spin-off show. She's the fucking worst. I hate her. She is just a trash bag full of dirty wigs in my opinion. She's just terrible and I don't think we need her. We've got Nene. Piss off, Kim. We don't want you. Beverly Hills housewives also happening. But as per usual, like every season, nothing is happening on that show. I don't know why I continue to watch it. I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. When you say nothing's
1: happening. Like, what is actually happening? They, like, what's they ha- go
2: on trips? They dress up in ridiculous clothing. They meet up and they're like, "Oh my god, you look amazing!" And then the other person's like, "No, you look amazing." Oh, so there's no drama. And there's nothing. There's oh. no drama. They just need to recast that whole franchise, in my opinion. And I've also been catching up on Love and Hip Hop New York. Um, so I'm, I'm like two seasons behind. So I'm currently experiencing the pleasure of watching Cardi B, the now very famous Cardi B. Um, Who's Cardi B? Um, oh, what, I'm gonna Bodak Yellow. Is that what the song's called?
1: I have no idea. Let me
2: quickly Google it.
1: No, that's cool. That's, Look, I'm not. I believe a, I'm, not you. I'm not.
2: I'm not a hip hop. Yeah, Bodak Yellow. Oh, I got it right. I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> I'm hip, kids. Um, anyway, she's like this breakaway rap artist. She had probably the biggest song of the year so far like it's it's huge it's everywhere you turn on a radio and that song's playing um i listen to podcasts not radio i've got got no (laughs) i don't have a car so i don't have a radio i do this a lot
1: but if the finger like the pulse of music was on my left wrist and my finger (laughs) would be somewhere over the other side of the room like it's so far away from the pulse it's not funny
2: yeah no i I, i'm with you there my friend (laughs) i'm with you there um and but she is incredible like this is the kind of person you want on a reality tv show not only like she doesn't cause a whole lot of drama which is odd because usually you want someone who's so over the top dramatic that every room they walk in they're starting a fight that's not what she does she is genuinely hilarious if she wasn't a rapper rap artiste, Um, she could literally just be a comedian. She is incredible. I think she even, like, co-hosted an episode of, like, The Late Show with Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Like, she's very, very funny. And also, I'm not up to that yet, but next season of Love and Hip Hop, New York, which I'm yet to watch, like, the latest season, uh, Felicia Pierce is on it. You know who that is? No. Snoop from The Wire. Really? Yeah. So, she's on it. So, I'm looking forward to, like, getting through this season and the next to see her. And that is my reality check.
1: So I've, you know, often been accused of being incomprehensible when I'm talking about football or like <laughs> movies or games and stuff like that. And I've never really understood that perspective until I listened to your bit about the real housemate r- real r- housewives of like it's like oh I understand mm. now that just like like all the characters all the just things just hearing all the on, words yeah. and none of it registering it all and just like my brain going I can't keep up with this. This this I am out of my depth here what are you watching all this stuff on by the way
2: um, so, I have an app called Hey You. Oh, yeah. Which cool. is a reality TV I've app in Australia and I think Britain as well. I don't believe it's available in America.
1: It's one of those driving Because you have
2: Bravo over there, so you don't need it.
1: Right. Driving around uh, Melbourne, it's mm. on the back of buses. Yeah. And there'll be like, there'll be a person, like a woman, more often than not, and the thing for Hey You. And I'm like, I have no idea who that person <laughs> is. I have no idea about it. And one of them was like Chloe Kardashian. Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Well, it wasn't Kim. I know Kim. It was okay. like Chloe or something. I was like, <laughs> <Right>. mm. <laughs> who is that? That. Yeah, I no idea. Yeah, uh, Anything else?
2: Um, just other TV that I'm watching. I've just started watching The Good Wife.
1: Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, so,
2: I think I'm about three episodes in.
1: Part of the good trilogy between The Good Place, The Good Wife and <laughs> the, the, the Good, good Life. Fight. Good Fight?
2: that's yeah, the yeah. I wish The Good, good Place is a crossover. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Um, look, it, it is good TV. It's very satisfying to watch as a viewer. Like, I found myself, like, cheering and clapping oh, and cool. it's, it's pretty good. But Let's be honest. It is pretty soapy and yeah, it's okay. pretty trashy. But I feel like I'm crazy when I say that because when everyone told me to watch it, I got a more highbrow impression. Certainly, it's the, the same impression I've had. Yeah, the same impression I get. I got when people were telling me to watch How to Get Away with Murder.
1: Oh, I never got I, that.
2: I think because um. Oh, what's the actress?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, so, she's amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm
2: having a blank. Um, so, I think because yeah. she was in it and she was winning all these awards and people were telling me how amazing she was in it. And then I watched it. I couldn't even, I could barely sit through like one episode. It was so soapy and trashy. It was, yeah. I mean, I can get how it's fun. How, but how
1: far in are you to The Good Wife? Three episodes. Oh, okay. I get the feeling that's one of those shows that- it elevates? That elevates. Yeah. Because okay. I remember The Good Wife, I'm- Correct me if I'm wrong. Mm. I'm remembering from the ads on television. Mm. When it first started, it felt like she's like the wife of like a senator or something like that who's involved yeah. in like
2: a sex scandal and then is like imprisoned and yeah. stuff. Yeah.
1: And I could be completely wrong about this. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the entire show art. Yeah. But I got the I get the feeling based on people's reception to it as it went on. I think it moved into something a bit more interesting oh, okay, than cool. that.
2: Well that's I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm loving what I'm seeing. Okay, cool. Thus far. People really but- champion that show but and a good it, fight. Yeah, if it gets, you know perhaps the writing and I think it's also a part of the direction that makes me go oh this looks like soapy to me yeah the First direction is hard. is very basic um but yeah no I'm I'm look I'm enjoying it and I'm looking forward to watching more certainly if it yeah cool. it gets better
1: if it gets better we might even eventually get on the show that'd be cool Ooh. anything else
2: no that's it from me
1: cool let's get into our season in review let me clue you in
2: season in
1: review the Wire Season 5 takes us back for one more lap of the streets of Baltimore, or it would if the police department had any money to fix their busted cars. Yes, this final season introduces the big bad guy that will bring down all of law enforcement and print media in one fell swoop, budget cuts. Joining the cast just in the nick of time are Tom McCarthy, uh, Michelle Perez, David Constable, and Clark Johnson as C Desk Editor Gus Haynes. Season 5 consists of 10 episodes, each coming in at around 56 minutes, with an extended 90-minute series finale, and took us approximately 9 hours and 55 minutes to watch. So, Damask, mm. we made it.
2: We did make it. We- <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to make it, I'll be honest with you.
1: The Wire, one of the most beloved mm. series of all time, considered one of the best TV shows ever was. This is the final season, mm-hmm. the last 10 episodes, what are your spoiler three? What is your spoiler free review of season five of The Wire?
2: It is, I think, a solid ending mm-hmm. to a fantastic show. I mean, very rarely do we get the opportunity to see a show that ends exactly, I think, where it should, or at mm-hmm. least where the creators think it should. Um, honestly, and not lying, because they just keep getting more money for more seasons. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: examples of that. Most shows. Most shows, yeah.
2: (laughs) I was like, I don't know, TV. Yeah, American Uh, TV. American TV. Uh, Props to not only the team that has created this show and held itself to such a high standard, but also to HBO for letting this show run its natural course, Mm. which a lot of networks uh, do not do. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's not perfect, that's for sure. I think the length of this season... Because of that, there are a few things that aren't as in-depth as I would like. Mm. There's certain avenues that I... I just wanted a bit more. I want to explore that the way we had explored things in previous seasons. Okay, yep. Um, but otherwise, a really, really solid final season. What about you? What are your thoughts?
1: Um, just before we move on, mm. did you feel like the episode length, episode number was restricting? Because this is, this is three, mm. two to three episodes less than every other season we've had so yeah. far.
2: I mean, perhaps... It, it, it certainly felt a little – certain storylines felt a little rushed to me that in previous seasons I ha- don't remember feeling that and the only thing I can – that I can see a correlation with is the shorter season length. Mm-hmm. So, I can only assume that's that's the cause.
1: Sure. Um. So, this – I'm going to keep this obviously very, very vague but <laughs> it's fair to say there is one element of this season that sort of – takes up most of my brain space when I think okay. about it. There's yeah. it's it's really important to the story in this season. Uh most of my attention goes in when I think about this. Mm. And so this season before I even saw it, I had a reputation with some people as being like the season that jumped the shark, mm-hmm. which if you're not aware of what that means, basically um I should
2: be talking to the audience or not. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> uh
1: is doing something that stretches the credibility of the world or the story of the show in the Jumping the shark comes from Happy Days, Happy days. when the Fonz literally, the Fonz literally jumps the shark. shark. It's is, great footage. Is find shark. it on YouTube. It's, it's very fantastic. Funny. <laughs> I love saying that. Um, and so very early on in the season, something happens that I found very challenging and mm. I think is challenging to dedicated yeah. viewers. Yes, it, um, it asks for a level of suspension of disbelief that I've not been asked of before. Mm. Um, and that can be problematic because I've never had to ask questions like this with the show where I've been watching it. So, this happened, and it, and instantly, it's. I'm constantly grappling with it as the show yeah. goes on. However, while I'm happy to hear arguments for why this breaks the show for some people, ultimately, ultimately, mm. and I can recognise that it's problematic. I really like this season a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, and I think
2: I had. Very similar thoughts about what you're talking about. Yeah. Until I started like reading more reviews and stuff and really started thinking about it Mm -hmm. and comparing it to things that happened in past seasons, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I can kind of see how they're similar in a lot of ways. And it's really, it's, well, it was maybe quite distracting at the beginning. Ultimately, it doesn't destroy the integrity of the season at all for me.
1: I think what it does is it... it I think what helps is mm-hmm. the, the writers know mm-hmm. that this is a big step. Yes, right. they do. And they treat it like that. Yes. So, the characters in it's this not, world... It's
2: not flippant. It, no. They, they it's give not, it the correct
1: weight. It's not just accepted as being like a normal thing to yeah. happen. Characters discuss it and go, this is fucking insane. Mm. And repeatedly do it. And the characters directly involved with this thing. Yeah. You can see them struggling Mm -hmm. and being out of their depth and having done something that's insane. Mm -hmm. And really worrying that they might be stepping over a line here. And so that helped a lot. It does. And my thoughts on the thing definitely changed from less good to better Mm -hmm. as the season went on. And I started to understand how something this might happen. Still extreme, right? Yes. Yeah. But it does a good job of really putting the evidence out there yeah, and making you go. It's beyond
2: the realm of possibility. It's
1: not mm. it, and you can see what might it reminds me of something like uh I was watching some Batman stuff for something this week for some reason this week. And I was watching actually The Dark Knight. But Batman Begins is a better example. Batman Begins is a really interesting story. This, it's like trying to do the realistic version of Batman, right? Mm. And so you're taking this ridiculous character, this millionaire who dresses up as a bat and has all these gadgets and fees, who goes and fights crime, right? And it's a ridiculous premise. But that mm. movie tried to at least make you go, oh, I can kind of see how that could relate to reality, how yeah. you could apply that. Mm-hmm. And this is any of that. There's no Batman in this series. But the, there's no <laughs> superheroes make showing up. Batman. Yeah. yeah. But it the similar thing, it, it puts in the work and pays attention to the details and says, well, this is why something someone might do something like this. Um, so the other thing that was good, 10 episodes. I'm interested to hear what you thought need to be explored more. Because mm-hmm. I love the pace of this season yep. and this this event as well sets up a heap of tension. Mm. Like that is, there's this is constant like the house of cards are gonna fall. Yeah. Like when's this gonna happen? And so I was really invested in every episode. Whereas sometimes in a season of The Wire. I guess so sort of the middle section, kind of looking forward to this getting towards the last three episodes or so, because that's when stuff's really going to happen. It's just a mm-hmm. lot of like doing the things we need to get there. Whereas this one felt like there was a real uh, yeah, tension and risk and some jeopardy going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that this season picked up some of the threads that have been left dangling since even the first season. Like this is a show that's still aware of its entire story and continuity, and it's I really a appreciate it. Yes. It really is, and it didn't forget anything. Not you might not get the satisfying conclusion you want to something, mm. but it do, it, did, it knows it doesn't forget any of that mm-hmm. stuff, which I thought was really good. Um, there were it's taken some of the themes of the show to a somewhat exaggerated but nevertheless fun, thrilling, fascinating uh, testing ground. So what I mean is this event that happens again also is like the sort of the logical or maybe even beyond logical conclusion to some of the themes of the show. Yeah. It takes the thesis of The Wire and goes, let's just really test this thing. Puts it in a, in a interesting place and goes, what now? Yeah. And makes you question like everybody's yeah. actions and motives like, and what they're doing.
2: this show is about the systems being broken and the degradation of a city because of those systems being broken, mm-hmm. if we mess up the environment so much mm-hmm. is there a way out of it with broken systems yes that's and that's what we're watching this season and this
1: also makes me think thought think again and reassess some characters that i thought i had a pretty good idea yeah, about you know that's certainly true <laughs> in good and bad ways some people yeah. choose pr- prove themselves to be diff- better and some pe- people chose themselves to be worse mm-hmm. and i thought that was really rewarding as someone who'd been so watching so like, long. Yeah,
2: in a last season, you're like, ooh, something new to explore in a character, which is always fun.
1: The um the other thing that's worth bringing up as well is this, every season of The Wire sort of has its new perspective mm. or like a gimmicky, not gimmick is not a bad word, that makes sound bad, but like uh, they a add focus. a layer. focus, that's yeah. an interesting way of, putting it, way of putting it. And this season's is sort of the media mm-hmm. is added into the narrative. Um, and... I liked it. I don't think it's as effective as, say, the things that were added in season three and four. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as well integrated into the overall story mm-hmm. as those ones are. Um, and part of that, I think, is we talked about season four being as good as it was. There was a certain character who didn't really get much time in season four, which allowed them to really focus on more space. the new yeah. thing. And this sort of has to get... There's so much going on back with our core cast. that yeah. that other And stuff we only the, have 10 media, episodes. So and we only so have 10 episodes. So it's yeah. like we only really get enough time to... Explore a couple of things that are going on there. And while it's interesting, I'm glad it's there and it's it's very informative. Mm. It didn't feel as important or as integral to – if you didn't have that focus, I think a lot of things you were achieving could have been achieved just without going, oh, but this is how it, this is how it affects a newspaper as well. Sort Absolutely of thing. true, yeah. Um, but as you said, I was very satisfied with the conclusion overall. I thought it was a good ending. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it finished when it did. Um, before, Because any longer you wonder how much further they could have sort of drawn this out. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm really happy with the way it ended overall. Happy chap. What's your score for this season? Because this is a bit I'm undecided still. I'm, I'm between two scores.
2: Yeah, me too. Um, I'm going to, I think I'm, I think I'm going to give it a 4.5.
1: Yeah? Yeah, I think so. Wow, okay.
2: I think so, yeah.
1: <sighs> I, I think I am as well. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to say, <laughs> I, I wonder if uh, people look at me and go, you're crazy. This is, this is not. This is one of the worst seasons of the show. But I really enjoyed it. I ate it up.
2: Even if... Yeah, because in part of my ranking, it's my second lowest. Oh, okay. But that's just the...
1: (laughs) Yeah, right. But yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's That's just the
2: standard of the show. It's not a bad season at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is my trick, right? Season Mm. three, which I didn't enjoy as much, but I think is sort of a better quality season in some ways, is only a four
0: Right. In my things. I gave that a 4.5 I, as
1: well. Yeah, I know. You'd love that. I kind of want... I think I'm going to give it a 4. and like a high 4. Right? This season? This season's five. a 4. Okay. Because I can't put it a step above season 3. Okay. they They're working on different levels. Mm-hmm. I found this one more engaging, entertaining consistently. Whereas season 3, I thought was much more thought-provoking in a real-world application. Whereas mm-hmm. this was more thought-provoking in a... This is kind of crazy... um. But it says a lot of interesting stuff at the same yeah. time, but it doesn't have a real world application as much, I don't think. Yes. Um Anyway, yeah, okay. I'm going to give it a four. I'm yeah. going to stick with a four. So All
2: right. now that we've finished the wire, yes. My ranking: so my favourite season, season four. Uh huh. Then we've got season three. Uh huh. Then we've got season one. Uh huh. Then this season, season five, and then obviously at the bottom for me is season two.
1: Yeah. Right. So my favourite is definitely season four. Mm-hmm. Still think that's a, basically a perfect season yeah, of television. Amazing. My least favorite season is season two. Mm-hmm. Um, I give season w- one <laughs> is a four point five. So theoretically, that's my second favorite. And two and five, you could switch. I'm not gonna. I can't. I can't call on those two. Really? I don't think I can. Okay. Why? Which one do you think is superior? You see, think three? See,
2: what between two and five?
1: Uh, sorry, three and five. Oh, three and five. Sorry, I say two and five. I meant three and five. Oh,
2: um. Which one do I think? I well, like I think season
1: three is better. Three is better yeah. on. It probably is. Yeah, I don't know. It's... You <laughs> could... Honestly... It's so hard. It's so good. It's
2: splitting <laughs> hairs with the Y. You really know what I is. mean? Because it's such quality all over.
1: It, that's the thing. That's what I'm looking at this list and going... I mean, the obvious... Yeah, there's an obvious winner and obvious loser for me. Season two is the weakest. Season f- uh, four is the strongest. Yeah. And everything else in between, there's a mixture of... of Strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really say one. One is better yeah. at this thing, but less good at this. And thing. A lot of the
2: time, like- the weaknesses. Maybe not so much for season two, but the generally the weaknesses are so minute oh, that well, yeah, it, it doesn't really affect the overall season.
1: And a lot of it. A lot of it. With some of the seasons I found weaker, like season three, was just a pacing thing, which mm-hmm. depending on how I'm watching it could change it. Like if I'm watching this at a more leisurely pace than yeah, how I've been true. forced to watch of the show, that weakness goes away. Mm-hmm. Like it's totally conditional and yeah, it changes based on the viewing experience and stuff like that. So I'm not going to, yeah, it's a roundabout there. But overall, I mean, I think this season ends up being, or the show ends up being a 4.5 out of 5 total, which is a pretty good score. It's an incredible score, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> um, would you suggest people could go watch the show keep listening to the podcast obviously go watch just what go we, watch go it go watch the show go watch the show go to season one start season one get through three or four episodes realize what the rhythm of the show is and just enjoy the whole thing going forth yeah. maybe the question is how do you consume this
2: you don't binge it like we did
1: Dema- I was okay with it for the most part there were times where I struggled mm. but overall I was still get- I got to season five and was still very excited to keep watching yeah. and h- had that energy all the way through yeah. the finale. There were days, you didn't.
2: Well, there were days where I was happy to watch three episodes. But meeting a deadline every week, having to watch 12, 13 episodes. Yeah. It was a lot to yep. do in a week. You know. Definitely. I've got other things to do as well. Mm-hmm. So, sometimes I had other things to do and I didn't want to be sitting there watching it. Yeah.
1: Don't make a podcast about what you do, <laughs> apparently. Um, Just
2: make it about happy things like The Good
1: Place. We, Yeah, exactly. H- happy short things.
0: Happy short things, yes.
1: Um, We'll talk a little bit more about the season as a whole in spoilers. Otherwise, we won't be able to talk in too much detail. In the meantime, we're going to go to the spoiler zone. um, But you should just know, go watch The Wire. Absolutely. That's That's the baseline thing here. Go watch The Wire. And if you've watched already, we'll see you in spoilers.
2: You're now entering the spoiler zone.
1: Spoiler warning! On this episode, we will be discussing everything that happens in all five seasons of The Wire. Before listening any further, we recommend watching the complete run of The Wire. If you've not done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have been warned.
0: Kids, I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Story Storytime with Damesk.
2: It's been about 15 months since we last walked these streets, Baltimore is still in a budget crisis and the police departments have been decimated. They're forced to drive around in cardboard cutouts of cars in a real Flintstone-esque type of humiliation. The MCU is forced to shut and everyone is sent back to homicide. I can't imagine the humiliation they all feel by having to solve such petty crimes like murder. Poor things. McNulty can't take the degradation of an honest day's work so he starts drinking and fucking any slightly damp divot in the road once and for all proving that he really is the biggest piece of shit in the whole world. Now that Marlowe is no longer being watched by the MCU, he goes back to his old ways of killing anyone that looks at him funny or calls his mum fat or says that he isn't a very interesting character, which is totally valid. He somehow convinces Prop Joe to hand over every little piece of information he might need to go solo, and then he kills Prop Joe. Because, duh. So now Marlowe is chummy with the Greek and runs the co-op, which no one is very happy about because he is a psycho. Except Cheese. Cheese is very, very happy. I can't wait for him to get shot in the head. Bubbles is still working on his sobriety, except he just sits around in his sister's basement with nothing to do. If he had a bald head and superpowers, I'd call him Eleven. Actually, Bubbles does have a superpower. It's the ability to pull at my goddamn heartstrings. Jeez, man, I just want the best for you. I need you to forgive yourself and I need your sister to give you a hug. But let's talk about the real story this season, which is that McNulty is so pissed that the case on Marlowe was abandoned that he decides to make up a fake serial killer so that he can then siphon the funds generated by such a hot case into an illegal investigation of Marlowe. Do I need to repeat that? I probably do, because there's no way that you believe it. In fact, you're probably reacting the same way Bunk did which is to call McNulty both fucked up and totally insane. And that is the correct reaction. But since McNulty won't listen to Bunk, he tries to get Lester to talk some sense into him, which should work, but instead Lester is totally down for breaking the law. And I don't mean bending the truth or trying to find a way to work around bureaucratic bullshit. I mean Lester Freeman is totally comfortable with the desecration of corpses and tampering with crime scenes. What is happening right now? I don't know, but someone please make it stop. And so now the city of Baltimore is going crazy over a serial killer that goes around murdering homeless men, but not before he ties a ribbon around their wrist and bites them on the butt. Carcetti is showing strength against the mysterious foe and setting himself up as a possible contender for governor. And The Sun is writing articles daily about the nightly terror the homeless face. This is helped by some pretty grand untruths being written by Scott Templeton, who, in pursuit of a career at Breitbart, doesn't really see the need to have legitimate sources or write anything truthful whatsoever. This, of course, helps McNulty and adds legitimacy to his fake killer. Marlo can't leave well enough alone and tries to lure Omar back to the city by killing his friend Butchie. And it works. Omar is beyond pissed and begins planning his attack. It turns into a setup though, when Omar gets all kinds of fucked up. He's stumbling around like Forrest Gump before he breaks free of those braces. I sure do wish Omar had taken Jenny's advice, though, and just run... But the fella can't help himself. He doubles down and attacks more of Marlowe's men, calling Marlowe a pussy as loudly and as often as possible. The tension builds and builds until finally Omar faces his greatest foe yet, his addiction to cigarettes. It's something even the best of us can't overcome. That's right, while buying his usual Newports, he's shot right in the noggin by a baby that has somehow escaped the maternity ward. This little guy is a fetus. And he brought down one of the fiercest fighters Baltimore has ever seen. Well, as Clay Davis says, shit. What else? Ah, oh, Herc is working for that crappy lawyer, because of course he is. He steals Marlowe's number from the lawyer's notes and gives it to Carver, who then gives it to Lester, who then uses it to illegally spy on Marlowe's phone. Turns out these new kids on the block are sending tech savvy telephone Pikachu's. Hmm. Sid figures out their sneaky clock code, which leads to a raid of Marlowe, Cheese and their whole stash. Everyone is arrested and it looks great. But only if you don't look too close. It becomes apparent to the lawyer dude that an illegal wiretap was pretty likely. He tells Rhonda Bellman this, who by this stage has been told by Daniels, who was told by the only honest cop on the force, Kima Greggs, about McNulty's fake killer. So, Rhonda and everyone is except they have some serious dirt on the lawyer so it all goes away pretty easily Carcetti shits his pants when he finds out but he knows he can't let it get out if he wants to become governor one day so everyone just shuts up but unfortunately Lester and McNulty are out for good Daniels, while pretty done PO'd about the situation does keep quiet but he's pushed a step too far when he's asked to lie about the crime stats for Carcetti. He realises that the mayor that was meant to be the hope for the city is just like the rest of them. And so he's pushed out. It's all a pretty big mess, really. The city is the same as it was when we started. And I guess that's the point. Because that's the game.
1: Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff, too. I've got a lot of notes on this season. A lot of notes. But Mm -hmm. let's start. Let's start just by talking about that cold open which I think is the best cold open the show has ever had. Certainly the best cold open to a season of The Wire. Do you remember this?
2: Yeah, I do. I remember people reading that people really liked it.
1: I loved it. I thought it was so...
2: I didn't like it.
1: Oh, okay. So, from <laughs> memory, what's happening at the start is Bunk is like interrogating a criminal and telling him that, you know, we know that you were the murderer of this guy and that your mate has already ratted you out. Mm. And then to, con- to they do two things. First, they... Tell him that, oh, he's ratting him out. That's why he's getting McDonald's. And then they open the door and he sees the guy walking by with the food. He's like, oh, he's ratting me out. And then they put him on a lie detector. But it's not really a lie detector. It's a photocopier. Yeah. And then at the very end of it, the guy confesses, you know, he thinks he's been caught. And Bunk's line is, the bigger the lie, the more they believe. And now, I'm not saying that's not an on-the-nose Cold mm. open, like you're talking about lies and truths and mm. manipulation and the print specifically using a photocopier as a lie detector machine yeah. is like a specific. You know, you're invoking the media when you do that. Yeah. But I, as a little bit hand as that was, I really liked that opening. I
2: think I really liked the McDonald's bit. I thought that was really well done. <laughs> I don't know. Just this. Um, it's probably true. I mean, these guys, particularly Ed Burns, has worked as a police officer. Maybe this is something that they. Can do. But I was just watching. I was like, who would believe standing... Who has never seen a copy of printer on TV? You know what it looks like. You know what a printer sounds like. I just don't... I, it was hard for me to believe that someone would think that that was a lie detector.
1: I believe... I think the show has given me enough reason to think that somebody who works on the streets...
2: That's true. Bodhi didn't even know there were different radio stations.
1: Right. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah. There is certain yeah. things that when your world is occupied by very specific cultural mm. touchstones that you've probably never seen an actual photocopy, or at least you, you've probably never used a photocopier in real life, Yeah, right? Um, there might have been one at school, but that was in the teacher's lounge and away from where you were meant to be and you weren't there anyway. You were probably not going to school. You mm. were doing other things. Uh, I can believe that that could, especially in a stressful situation, yeah. be convincing to somebody of, yeah.
2: I'm sure it was just, yeah, it, so was, it was hard for me to...
1: I can, I can. That's yeah. I mean, that's what makes it cartoony, mm. right? But kind yeah. of also why I liked it.
2: Yeah, but I mean, that's one thing I love about the Wire is that in every season, that first opening is it speaks to the theme of the season. They mm. always mention it in a way, yeah. which is cool. I think it's great.
1: Definitely. Um, so the whole, the big thing that starts this season off narratively is just that there's no money. Yeah. That there's the police have no money.
2: Poor things. Yeah. No one's
1: getting overtime. No, everyone has to wants to start a second job. They
2: are losing their shit. They, they are, are g- fighting in the car park. They are attacking each other. Yep, it's all full. The bosses apart. don't
1: know what to do. They are just letting it happen because they're like, yeah. "Fuck, what am I meant to do? Yeah, how am I
2: meant to inspire them when we're not paying them? They don't
1: have cars. Mm. They don't have equipment. They don't have fucking anything. And when you know it that. uh our MCU gets pulled apart once again.
2: Oh, shock yeah.
1: Which at first really frustrated me. I was yeah, like, it's like,
2: "Oh, this again."
1: The promise of last season's ending was yeah. that they're back together. They're mm-hmm. going to do one more round. These guys are going to yeah. finally get Milo Stanfield and the and the conspiracy of the co-op and it's gonna, and that's what this season's going to be. Yeah. It's the th- it's the victory lap sort of thing. Which I've talked about being the past me a bad thing. But anyway, like they're, they're going to go to that place. and There's going to be
2: like one last sting, you know? Exactly. Like,
1: yeah. And then once again, as they've done for four seasons in a row, they found <laughs> a way to break up the MCU. And I'm just like, it really, it really worried me when the season started. I was like, oh yeah. my God, what is happening? However, the thing about it was that that breaking up of the MCU inspires. The big events that mm. happen in this, so it's a final straw, right? It wasn't. It wasn't just like, oh, we're split up again. We won't do anything for eight episodes, and we'll finally come back together at the end and get a result. Mm-hmm. No, this forces people to act.
2: Yeah, they're like, I'm tired of this. Just like the audience is like, exactly. I'm tired of this. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: And so, what happens? Well, we get to the thing <laughs> we've been talking about, getting around for a while now. McNulty
2: mm. is needing- Batman. Is
1: honestly. Batman. Needing funding, needing money to give to Freeman to finally finish the the Marlowe case, fakes a serial killer. Wow. One more time. Sorry. He
2: fakes a A serial serial killer. killer.
1: Killer. He takes homeless people who are dying of natural causes or their own, you know, self-inflicted lifestyles.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Or the lifestyles inflicted upon them, I guess, in some ways. But who've died on the streets without any suspicion found out that you can leave bruises if they're fresh enough and has made it look like people are being strangled, bitten and then are having ribbons tied around their wrist and has concocted a serial killer to get a response from the media and from the politicians to get money funneled back into the police department. Yep. How do you feel about this, (laughs) DeMas?
2: Well, we had a conversation earlier in the week about, because I'd only watched, I think, six episodes. Mm. And I was feeling kind of funny about it.
1: Funny, yeah. Funny is a good way of putting it.
2: Um, I, I mean, I was bewildered by what was happening. I yep. was like, you, when it was happening, I was bunk in that scene. Yeah. I was like, what do you do? You can't do that. Oh my god, what? You've lost your goddamn mind. That's how it felt.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but also, McNulty is a loose cannon. He's fucked up. We all know that. So I was like, I can kind of see he's being pushed to the brink. This is. His absurd and frankly, from what I was seeing, dumb, really, really dumb idea to do this. I was like, there's, they felt like there were so many holes there. It was when I was first watching, I was mm. like, oh, there's so many holes here. I don't even understand, like, what the real end game is, rationally, like, how this is going to play out. I'm like, oh my God, this is so dumb. And then, Freeman gets on board, yeah, and then I'm like, "Oh my god!" Yeah.
1: That for me was when I was starting. That that was the part for me where I was like, "I'm struggling with this now because Freeman seems like he should be more rational than yeah. this." The
2: fact that like other people were on board yeah. was crazy. I could understand McNulty doing this. He's in, he's just nuts. He does what he wants. But other people being like, "Oh, okay," particularly someone who like Freeman who does think things through. He's incredibly intelligent to be like. God, like even if you get the resources you need, there's going to be so many like gaps in that because we have been taught before how much paperwork needs to be done, how much things are checked and checked and checked just to get a case forward so that the prosecution feels comfortable enough going forward with the case. Yeah, I was like, I don't even understand how this is going to work. At, like I, it was beyond me. And I was just yeah. like, and I, the I logistics was, of it. Seemed I was ridiculous. Wor- yeah, I was worried about that. I was like, oh no. And like you said, I was like, have they jumped the shark? Yes, that was my initial reaction. Probably like maybe two thirds into the season. So still Half, halfway. Yeah, I was dead? about you know, halfway, I, 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 was, I forget where exactly things happen because it really is a whole it's episode. Story. End of
1: episode two is when he starts fucking yeah. around with the bodies. When and- does
2: Freeman know? Was like that the following episode Episode three or something oh, okay. like that? I think yeah. it's pretty
1: early on. Yeah, because it's, he's doing. And then it they for start him. like,
2: Freeman makes the teeth, and they're asking that beat cop to help find bodies, and it's just like, oh my god, yeah. So that was my initial reaction. What, where, where were you at with it? Um, what similar. were your steps through the story? There,
1: there is there is so many right. Yeah. That's the thing, right? The, and I think the thing ultimately that the reason I come around on it is because if you really examine the everything that's going on, the situation they're in, the mm. things that we know about the things we know about these characters and the way this world works, that they actually did a lot of groundwork to make this feasible, right mm. so Mcnulty doing it is insanity, yeah. right? Mm. however, it fits his character. He's always been someone who pushes the system, yes. who makes it work to him, mm-hmm. who doesn't give a shit about the consequences, who just wants to get results, and so push comes to shove. Nothing is getting done. He's so frustrated. He's back doing he- this job after taking a year off and finding happiness. He's back, you know, in this this very destructive environment that seems to bring the worst out in him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he is drinking on the job, which can I point out as well, is an interesting little thing. He- I don't think he's ever drunk on the job that much before, but it's reminiscent of the those two cops in the first season, the two older guys.
2: Oh, uh, yeah. I
1: thought that was really interesting. Mm. It was like he's so done with himself yeah. and what he can do in this job, that he's resorted to that behavior, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting little detail. Um, and he's just pushed to a point where he does something that's the most absurd and crazy thing he's ever done, but I think fits with what his character has been about for a long time now. He's interested in the result and getting that result no matter what it takes, basically. Mm-hmm. Freeman, getting involved, agreed. Also... I thought this is insanity. You are smarter than this. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't think this is a good idea. However, Freeman is also someone who's got more control than McNulty, but absolutely manipulates the system and the people around him to get the results he wants. He did it with Rhonda last season where he kept things from her and wanted to do the indictments right before the election on purpose. Yeah. Like he, he will make you think that he's working for you, but actually he's working for himself first mm-hmm. beyond that. Um, he th- he's the smartest guy in the room. He thinks he can get away with it. Yeah. And that is in his character to be that way as well. And yeah. it's taken a while to reveal that because it's really easy and I got wrapped up in just Freeman being the best cop there ever was. But it was great to get to the end of this season and kind of go, you're kind of fucked up, man. And mm. there's a reason that you're problematic to people like Daniels and Ronda and stuff like that because you are unpredictable and you're probably playing them to some degree. Yeah. You're not giving them I, 100%. Yeah.
2: I understand when it comes to Freeman that – yeah, he thinks and actually probably is the smartest guy in totally. the room. Yep. He does manipulate the system and works the system so that he can do what he needs to do. Yep. It's, I think, that level of desecrating a corpse and messing up a crime scene or creating a crime scene. Actively breaking the law in that way just seems at such a higher level.
1: hmm yeah, that
2: it was like it was like wait what I I knew I knew all that I felt like I knew a lot about
1: those characters, Freeman yeah
2: and I I understood that McNulty doesn't really have boundaries Freeman is smart that he he finds a way to push those boundaries further and further out mm-hmm. without the the higher ups usually not really figuring it out until it's too late. But to just leap over the boundaries and not care about them anymore was like, whoa, I I actually genuinely didn't know that was part of his character. Yeah. And while there might have been hints of that throughout the seasons that when I rewatched The Wire, I might be able to see a bit more of that, it it was a shock to me. I didn't see it coming.
1: Do you – so for you is the line that's really been crossed here is like the desecration of the body side of things in terms of just how icky that stuff is.
2: Yeah, I yes, and I think yeah. I'm I'm glad they had a moment where they kind of have a have a nod to how awful that is when Kima goes and has to talk to the family members of these people because totally. they're like you know I I understood that this life their addiction would probably lead them here. Yep. But to know now that they, like, suffered, were in pain and had to go through this, like, that's unbearable to know. And I was like, fucking oath. Yep. Like, these these are still people. Sure, they're homeless people and they are forgotten by the system. But to then have people like um, McNulty and Freeman treat them the same way as well. I was just like, oh, it's so yucky. It's such a yucky thing to do. Well,
1: it's interesting as well. You, it's like, you're right, it is totally yucky, but I'm uh, looking at this from the perspective of these two cops. These mm. are both homicide detectives. They've yeah. been around a lot of bodies in their lifetime, oh, course, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. the, the they, at that stage, start to see, I think, these bodies as not being people so much as being bodies as being empty vessels Mm -hmm. that don't represent the people that were in them anymore but just as being sacks of meat and so to manipulate them for the greater good Mm -hmm. right which is what they've been doing in different ways just never with this sort of grossness to it kind of fits that lifestyle and yeah it's crossing the line i found it interesting that when you start to see mcnulty really starting to question this hasn't actually got to do anything with the bodies but when he hides that guy away like when he when he moves him outside of the Baltimore city limits Mm. and it's the guy he's probably in a place where he's being looked after a little bit better than he's been looked after in a while but to actively remove someone and to him to be a person to be a still a living sick person yeah and McNulty be really struggling with that helped a lot to give him some of his humanity back yes I agree that was a
2: great step for them to take really
1: helpful Mm -hmm. um and this is not an easy, none of this is easy. All the things they're doing, sometimes it feels easy. Freeman in particular has a way of just going, ah, yeah, it'll be fun, you know, they'll never know this. They don't yeah. understand the bad thing about wires and stuff like that. And that's the other thing that helped me, helped to bring me around to this whole concept was that this is a police, police department that is completely disillusioned. Mm-hmm. So not only is no one interested in trying to Find people who are being fraudulent inside the police department because they're not being paid to do it, mm-hmm. and, but they're also being rewarded for not giving a shit because <laughs> McNulty is able to give them the money and the resources they need to actually go back to doing their jobs. Yeah. and so he's not—they're not just apathetic; they're actively being rewarded for letting them get away with it, mm-hmm. and that works all the way to the highest levels. And we're and we get, skipping ahead a little bit here, but ultimate. But what happens is. And the reason it's it's so fascinating the why this ends, because you keep wondering like what's gonna happen. I mean, Nulty and Freeman are gonna be arrested and like go to jail or whatever. But they couldn't because there was too much going on right for the print media mm-hmm. and for the politicians at the top, because of the positive consequences mm-hmm. of having the police actively doing their jobs again. Yep. That everybody just has to sort of swallow it and yeah, you're going to be punished, but quietly <laughs> retired yeah. or pushed. To-
2: well, if, yeah, if there's a benefit, because the system is so sick and broken, <sighs> to fix it would be a gargantuan task that if there is a benefit, even if some things are not morally right or even lawfully yeah. correct, um, it's easier just to kind of push it to the side and just think of the benefits that are happening and yes. move on.
1: Yeah. Which is speaks to everything The Wire is about. Yes. <laughs> Since season one, we've been frustrated because our MCU has been doing the right thing. It's getting their whys, it's getting its subpoenas and it's, you know, all the things the right way. Um, sure, McNulty will talk to the right judge and throw somebody under the bus or whatever, but it's he's working the system from mm-hmm. within the system. He's not breaking the system. Yeah. And But then they get something happens. Somebody higher up says, stop the investigation and they don't take out the Barksdale... Yeah. The higher ups, they take out some mid level guys. And that's frustrating, right? Mm. And so the system is working against them. Yeah. This time, they've manipulated the system. Mm-hmm. And so, them becoming the, the ones who are breaking the rules or fucking mm-hmm. over everybody else, and even, and like, both the semi-victories they get and the and the consequences of that are fascinating too. Yeah. Between Freeman and McNulty having to leave the force, essentially, or McNulty being pushed to the sidelines or, side or whatever, between, yes, they get uh, Marlowe, but he's going to get away with it because you got this in a dirty way and that'll come out in the investigation. Yeah. Um, because all of those, it just, it can, all the way consistently, there is never an outright victory. Mm-hmm. I love that it never strays from that. Yes. That it just goes from it would being feel like disingenuous well- if we got a weirdly
2: happy ending or was it just started telling a different story. It wouldn't make yeah. sense in this regard. So yeah, it, it it makes sense. And I love that we have it is about like this disillusionment. I'm sure like McNulty and people like Freeman started off thinking, you know, I'm a good guy, I'm doing the right thing, I'm working for the good guys. They you know, start off beat cops, they start to learn that that's not how things go. And even when they are the kind of guys that break the rules a little bit to kind of get things done, like they did originally in the MCU, like getting all their, you know, yeah. wiretaps, doing everything to the... To the... What's the... What's that? To the letter of the law. law sure. Yeah, yeah. Like do, doing everything right and that still doesn't work for them. Yeah. And so the respect of the system... Goes away. And so if you don't respect it, then you can totally fuck with it. And that's yeah. what they do.
1: And yeah, well, that and that's that's it, right? So yeah. the, yeah, seeing our heroes who are always problematic become representative of the same villains that we had in season one is really, really, really fulfilling for me. And then I'm just looking back at my notes. I put so many notes on this. because I just kept, just, I found it so invigorating. It mm-hmm. made me take the whole show all seasons of it and apply it back to what was going on and there's so many things to consider here and like one of the scenes i found really helpful were in terms of seeing why something like this could happen again was there's a scene between freeman and daniels where freeman needs wires and daniel can't give him wires Mm -hmm. and they are yelling at each other and they are so frustrated but they're both frustrated at the same thing and they just go quiet and they just stop and there's no point being angry at each other because neither of them can do fucking anything mm-hmm. about it. They're both powerless, but they're just both so powerless. Yeah, and I was like, I so I did start to believe that people that someone like Freeman and McNulty could make this happen. Mm-hmm. It Just yeah, I, I don't know. I was really impressed by the way the show took its time to do that all the way through. Um, well, beyond, I'm sure we'll come back to the the serial killer stuff in a second. But beyond the, well, the, okay, here's, let's ask the big question then. No, let's do that. Do we think that the serial killer thing was a good move ultimately? Was it justified to be doing that?
2: No, I don't think so. Why not? Well, I mean, it certainly doesn't help that because of that two people were actually killed. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so, so that's, that's the copy that's, the
2: copycat cap, bit the copycat bit yeah. i yeah, I just don't i don't I can be very morally black and white, sure, as a viewer and just as a person walking through life, I don't think by becoming part of the broken system is ever going to fix a system. But I th- I know that's the point of the show is the fact that you can't fix it.
1: I mean, that's, it's, uh, it's unf- that, I it's- think that's possibly the entire thesis of this series. <laughs> yeah, it's,
2: it's unfixable. Yeah, This is where we have come. But it it feels like... I know they think they're fighting, but to me it looks like giving up. And I th- And it goes all the way up to the top for me. Sure. Is that everyone gives up at every step. Except for maybe Daniels, but then obviously he's pushed out. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't. It's not justified to me.
1: I I, I don't know is my answer to that mm. question. I find it hard to argue against that. If they were, if no one did anything, mm-hmm. right? you have an ineffectual police department that's not doing its job, mm-hmm. well, how many other people are being hurt? How many people are getting away with their with murder? Literally, how many things are not being done because there's no funding coming in? They've got. A police department only going to get more corrupt, less influential, less effective as time goes on. It was already it was already fucked. Yeah, people couldn't do their jobs. Milo Stanfield is just getting away with doing his stuff because there's no one there to to do the job. Mm-hmm. So, as morally gross as all the stuff is that's going on in here, the result is a good one, except for the obvious bad part, which is distressed families. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Families are people who have apparently forgotten these people in their lives. By by the way, I find that really interesting. That's only once this person is dead and they found out they've theoretically had a horrible experience dying.
2: Well, that's simplistic and untrue, no, in my well, opinion. No,
1: but that's. Uh, do you don't think that's the argument the show's making? That these are f- like they, they talk no, a lot like, about forgotten people here, yeah. and that these like the.
2: I think because the system has forgotten them, that they are somehow forgotten by their families as well. The families haven't forgotten them. They have – and the two parents say this. They are like, we tried to help this man fight addiction. We did everything that we could mm-hmm. as people with very few resources. We could not help him. Our only option was to be like, okay, you do what you need to do. We're here if you need us. Yeah. But addiction is fucked. Totally. So, they, um, I think just because they can't help – that person fight addiction doesn't mean they're not up every night thinking about them. Doesn't mean that they're somehow not worried about them or have forgotten them. I don't think the, the show was saying that at all. Fair
1: enough. Fair call. The, if we go then to the, the, the copycat murderer side of things, mm. or the other consequence, which was always a potential I saw coming mm. as like, well, yeah, this is, I was this like, is oh, no. if that starts happening, then we've got real As problems, soon as you did right? the ribbon,
2: I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Someone's, yeah. someone's going to latch onto that.
1: Exactly the i found that a little convenient in a way because it ends up being the the it, like it, caught, it obviously two people die which yeah. is awful but it also sort of solves the problem
2: yeah exactly i, I agree
1: and it's like it's like com, comes a little too convenient that moment mm-hmm. um and while and the thing is as well it's theoretical theoretically you can argue well if this person was a copycat murderer if it's not now then eventually they're going to do something mm, like this anyway yeah. like you can't how can you predict for it's like saying that, you know, somebody became violent because they were playing violent video games. Well, if it wasn't violent video games, it was gonna be violent movies or books or something like that. Violence exists in the world and a person whose propensity for violence is gonna get violent. Mm-hmm. You can't blame it on what they saw in the newspapers, or can you? Like you know what I mean? Yeah. And this is but that's what I like about this whole argument and the whole thing is it's it's so complex. And I don't know whether or not the show is ver is well representative of maybe it's leaning too far in one direction. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time saying that they didn't get a good result overall Yeah, by, like, it's maybe not the exact result they wanted in terms of Marlowe gets away with things at the end, although he's back on the streets at the end of it anyway. I think for
2: those characters, they got what they wanted in a lot of ways. They You
1: think Baltimore's better off by having a police department that's actually doing their job, though? Like, the city is better off?
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah. But- it was it's short-sighted. So they get this one case which is solved. Once that's over, that's done. The police department isn't going to continue to have that amount of money f- flowing in to, into what they need done. The streets is going to return back to the way it was. So, McNulty and Freeman got to solve their case. Sure, yeah. But Baltimore is in the exact same position as it was before. Kima
1: and Bunk got to solve their cases as well. Other detectives were getting yeah. uh, resources too. I think even Carver was getting yeah. some resources at different For stages as well. For two to three weeks,
2: you know what I mean? Which is Which is good, but it doesn't speak to anything more than two or three weeks of good police work.
1: But two or three weeks of good police work... Could be huge. How many lives theoretically are saved uh, or improved by two or three weeks of good police work.
2: Mm -hmm. But I think continuing to degrade the system makes it harder for people to make long-term changes.
1: Totally. But the system is degraded from the top down. Like this Mm -hmm. is a system that's been... And this is the thing, right? The system is actively working against itself here. So, why respect the system? Yeah. Why not just play the system that keeps playing you, Mm -hmm. has been doing it for five systems... At some stage, you know, just because the law is the law doesn't mean it's correct. Yeah. You've got to push back against that in some way. And, like, what what's the other option there? You become a vigilante. You do the Batman thing and do it on your own. Yeah. And try and doubt. Like, but you can't do that because there's no justice in...
2: Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> you do a daniels and you stay in the system you try to correct it from within and unfortunately because of the degradation of the system it continues to happen things get worse it's made worse and worse by the actions of the people inside it oh. he's then pushed out
1: you i mean you're 100 right but, they, but all of this is why i love it this yeah, is why exactly, it works yeah. for me yeah because it's like the snaking its own tail mm-hmm. it's it's just a cyclic thing. Yeah. And like, and that it, can feel yeah. like a cop-out. And we're skipping ahead a little bit because there's yeah. so much to talk about before mm. we get to the end of this. Um, but the ending with sort of seeing where everybody's at yeah. and sort of how everything's just beginning anew. Yeah. We've got a new Omar in Michael. <laughs> yeah. We've got a new Bubs in, uh, what's that kid's name as well? The Dookie. Dookie. We've got like, we can see all these people transitioning mm. and just the next... Next, they just next, sort of next. move up a step in the, in the system. Yeah, and Baltimore is exactly the same yeah. as it was before. I
2: think like what is interesting about this show is it tells me that my idealistic and sometimes simplistic way of viewing things, of thinking of how the system should be fixed, is, is just not possible. It's just not possible.
1: Well, it's it's not possible from no one individual yeah. thing trying to change it from within. As a single entity is not mm. a possibility. Yeah. Bunny is the closest we ever come to finding someone who is an idealist with big ideas who might be able to make significant change. Mm. However, what he doesn't ever have is the time or the money to actually make that happen on a macro scale. Yeah. Right? I think things we, yeah. get the, the system again gets in the way. Yeah. And so the, the the thing that has to change is the entire system. Yeah. How do you break that down and start again? I think that
2: also happens with Karketi... Um, I think he, oh, yeah. he came in, like obviously, with big promises, like we can do all of these things. But because of the budget, because of the people who have come before him, mm. totally fucked over, and so he couldn't he couldn't work with Daniels the way that he wanted to. And because he looked at Baltimore the way things were running and realized that fixing it was pretty impossible, mm. he just stopped thinking about fixing it and was thinking about the next thing that he could achieve.
1: Well, he what I think a lot of his logic was, well, I'll be able to fix this once I'm governor, right? Mm. Maybe then. That's always and the so story. It <laughs> becomes this thing of like, yeah. oh, I'm hamstrung by my power. He was when he was a council member. Yeah. He is now that he's the mayor. Mm-hmm. Well, if I can make governor, then, then I'll be able to do But the same problems will happen yeah. when you're governor. There'll
2: always be something bigger and more important to fix. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the responsibility is your ability to fix this. One, You know, you go up to a state level, well, you can't just be worried about Baltimore anymore. Yeah. You've got to be worried about the rest of the state. You go another step further and you're fucking president of the United States or whatever. Well, what are you going to, you know... You're going to
2: think in, about national, like, yeah. Not international just policy. <laughs> international policy. Like,
1: yeah. And it's just... What's interesting about Karketty is we sort of well, I went the simplistic route and thought there's going to be a story of someone who was pure being corrupted. He's not really corrupted. It's just he gets stuck in the same rut that every politician does, that some turn into corruption because they... They're
2: like, it's too hard. Just give me some money. I'll just try
1: and, you know, do the best for myself in here. Fucking... Mm. What's his name? Sleazy McSleaze... um, Clay Davis. Clay Davis. Shit. 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 Yeah. Um, And, but in his case, he's... I think his ambition or his desire to do good is still there. It just gets funneled into this the wrong direction. Yeah, I think
2: he's he's well-intentioned, but I think his career ambition Mm. is number one. And so, he's yeah, he's not able to focus the time he's not even thinking about a second term when you know hopefully the budget is a little bit better maybe he will be able to do something like no one's thinking long term everyone's thinking about like well what can i do now
1: well what happens is things like now is the time for me to become governor like now is the time i can do it so long-term plans get thrown out the window because of this thing Mm -hmm. it was interesting as well there was that one scene where he came home after doing his um speech about the homeless and it's like he's showing his wife he's like Check me out, sort of mm-hmm. thing. And you can see the vanity starting to take over as well, and it's never it never gets to that mustache twirling or Clay Davis level no. at all. No, no, no. But it's uh, it's enough yeah. to just poison the well.
2: Yeah, it's just it's a symbol of like he comes home and she's talking to him about mm. you know fixing things and and he's just focused on his speech because it makes him look like a strong prospect to become governor. And you, you say said- <clears throat> sorry, and that's just. The image we need to see to understand that his focus has shifted at that Mm -hmm. point completely. He's no longer really
1: interested in that anymore. I don't want to stay on McNulty too much longer because we could literally talk about it for ages, but I do want to talk about two quick things with him. Mm -hmm. You've always struggled with McNulty just Uh. as a character because you think he's disgusting, right? How do you find him this season? I hated him. Okay. Yes. Gross, right? Disgusting. Gross. As always. Piece of shit. Mm. What about the beady side of things? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, beady, 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 beady.
2: Um, it was, I was heartbroken. I was, I was very sad. Like when she turns the porch light off. Yeah. Moment. And then.
1: You don't even see her do it. It's just the exterior shot and the light goes back on. That says everything you need to know.
2: It's, but I, I also love that we did get to see her be a little bit proactive about that. She goes and talks to Bunk and he's like, I don't want you, I know you're not a snitch. I don't want you to do that, but just tell me what is possible for him. I need to know that. Of course, Bunk doesn't give her anything, which is unfortunate um but yeah and she just tells him like fuck like either fuck off or stay and be here
1: my 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 favorite thing she does in the whole thing Mm. is the note she leaves yeah when her and the kids are gone it's like we'll you know see you in a in tomorrow night or in a couple of nights or maybe not or maybe not yeah Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it's like just puts it on the table Mm. and like this is this is what you're doing to us Mm mm-hmm See what it feels like. You can make a decision about yep. what happens next. I love it when she comes back
2: and he's there and she's like, and the next time, like, you'll be out because this is my fucking house. And yeah. I was like, yes, Beady, I love Beady." I love <laughs> Beady.
1: There are very few pure characters in this yeah. show, people that you can just root for on mm-hmm. every level. yeah, Beatty you can. Yes, absolutely. It's great to have one person. I can just go, I love you. I, I'm sad for you. I'm heartbroken for you. You deserve better than McNulty, but- Man, you're great. Yeah, love cool. you. Um, Quality lady. I also just I can't figure out why anyone thinks when drunk McNulty starts picking up on I not make any. Sense why would to they me. be interested? He might, you want to argue that he's handsome, whatever. Fine, but he's so fucking drunk he cannot be a good lay at that I point. Would say
2: right? When he's like leaning up to this woman, like he can't even stand. Just like hold him up, and he orders more drinks. Wouldn't your thought just be like, "There's no way he's going to be able to be erect"? Yeah, exactly. There's no way, exactly. And then we see him fucking her on the hood of his car, oh. which is disgusting. Yeah. Because you know, it made me really angry. So I'm like, one, he's definitely not wearing a condom. Mm. Two, then he's going to go home and like fuck Beady and probably give her something. What a piece of shit. Yeah. I hate McNulty mm. so, so, so much. It has been, this has been the hardest thing for me with The Wire, watching Five seasons, approximately 700 hours of TV, having to watch him. He makes me sick.
1: Season four being the best season because he's barely in. Exactly.
2: <laughs> and we got some cute kids.
1: And got some-
2: I'm sad I didn't see Randy this season, but that's all right.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, we did. When did we see Randy? We saw Randy for a second. Uh, They went to... He was being interviewed by Bunk. And he's just being like, fuck off the police were trying to touch me or something like that he walks out so Randy's let me oh, get this right remember. randy's the one who went into the foster home right yeah, or the, the boys
2: home, yep, or the group home he's
1: in it and he's gotten he's like hard he's like
2: oh i must have missed that bit yeah Sorry. bunk.
1: But i'm pretty sure it's bunk is like oh, i need this kid to talk to me and oh, okay. goes to do it and he just shuts him down and right. walks out and he's like playing this whole thing of how like the cops can't touch me or something like that yeah, I can't of even course. it's one scene he's learned his lesson yeah
2: i'm sad i missed that i'll have to go back and watch
1: yeah it. um the what well, Bunk in general, actually. I just want to say, uh, Bunk is my me hero this me season. Bunk. Just being the constant. There's actually a GIF I've seen three times this week okay. of him <laughs> just shaking his head at McNulty <laughs> that my girlfriend sent to me like last night. Yeah. and was like, I wish you knew what this meant. <laughs> I You haven't seen The Wire. I love this GIF because yeah. it just speaks to so many feelings I have. Yeah. Um, he's so good. He's so great. It's just the constant call-outs, the constant frustration of McNulty. Yeah. Fucking up his investigation because everything's being prioritized ahead mm-hmm. of his cases and just calling him out for his bullshit. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And I also love that he's taken the lesson from last season about um, getting the real killers. Mm, and like, he's like, absolutely. you're chasing this bullshit thing you've is made nonsense, up and yeah. real police work's not getting done because of you. Mm-hmm. Like real killers are getting away. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um, the I had stuff on Freeman here as well, but I think we've covered most of that already. Yeah. Uh, B, we've talked about Kima. Let's talk about Kima. Kima. So, she doesn't have a lot to do for a while in this no, season. she doesn't. Which is unfortunate, but she does get a couple of cute scenes. She There's- does build some
2: IKEA. She or get- tries to. Yeah. So another- Can I just say, yes. just to everyone at home, I am amazing at building IKEA I love nature. building
1: IKEA furniture. I am so good at it. It's adult Lego. And
2: I, whenever it tells me, it's like, oh, you need two people. I'm like, hm, I'll show you.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm like holding things up with my feet and like, yeah, getting that Allen key happening. I'm great. So, do you, do give you me ever a call fasten anyway, it
1: you- to the wall? They always tell you to fasten things to the wall. No. No, no one does that shit. <laughs> I live on the edge, mate. <laughs> I've got no kids running around. It's I like fine.
2: dodging furniture as I run through the house. <laughs> I feel like Indiana Jones, you know?
1: The the scene where she's, yeah, obviously the Ikea is a nod to McNulty in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, another example of how Kimra is sort of becoming McNulty, which they've been suggesting for a while. Mm. It was, um, and, and just another example of the show showing its cyclical nature as well, which is kind of sad, but.
2: I think she's becoming more of a Daniels, but yeah.
1: She's becoming more of a date. Well, mm. this was the difference, right? While it seems like, you know, her womanizing and her drinking and her treating of her kids is sort of McNulty esque, she is much more, a bigger stickler for the law, which we've known about apart from there's a couple of key incidences where her, she's kicking people. She's kicking people, <laughs> you know, there's a fire yeah. in her blood and she does something yeah. that's a little bit more excessive. Mm-hmm. But she's also the one that in season one wouldn't finger, I think it was Weebay or one of those guys. She fingered a couple of others, like, <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't finger the uh because it's too she, easy because well because she it's meant to be hard it was
2: she right? just, she said that sometimes police work is hard
1: yeah, yeah. Um, she just wouldn't take the shortcut basically yeah. she wasn't going mm-hmm. to cut corners mm-hmm. um and where I even remember calling out season one it's like that's kind of a frustrating thing for this character to do because she's getting in the way of what's justice even if it's kind of having to do it in a dodgy way mm. she's the one who calls out. Uh, Freeman and McNulty yes, to does. Daniels.
2: Yes, she does.
1: Which That's my girl. Love her. I love her that mm-hmm. she did that because it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And it is consistent with her character mm-hmm. and it was great to have her be involved with this. I love at the end of all this, Freeman and McNulty could have easily been pissed off with her, but I love that they say, well, if you thought yeah. it was the right thing to do, it was the right thing to do. Yeah.
2: I think they like, because you they've spent her. so much time together, they yeah. under they respect her judgment.
1: Uh, I've I, I, Really appreciate that she was able to look past her friends mm-hmm. and protecting them yep. and, you know, stand up for what was right. Yep. And then obviously Daniels gets involved. and Or oh,
2: that scene in the elevator. That
1: elevator <laughs> scene is so great. To be continued. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would have so shit massed, myself. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm
2: so sorry. I w- would have walked right into the mayor's office and like, I have done something very wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I need protective custody immediately.
1: So we... we posited that uh things are going too well for daniels and Rhonda. Oh,
2: i love them i love them it too it's pretty well though doesn't it
1: well it kind of does the well i mean daniel's career daniels is wearing a terrible tie in that scene but anyway daniels is never dressed as well as you should be but that's, that's the that body oh i know it's ridiculous it's right
2: insane yeah when he's like at home in a singlet i'm like show me more
1: <laughs> the daniels his career in as you know, rising up the ranks for the police department, are done though by the end of this. Yes, and finally that history that we never really find out what it is exactly no. that dirt that they have on him mm. is going to come to fruition. It's going to fuck up not just his career because I don't think it would have. I think it would have done it if it fucked up his career. Oh, totally. But it's going to fuck up his ex wife's career. Uh, forces him to step out at the end of this, mm-hmm. um, and that means he ends up becoming a lawyer, and Rhonda ends up becoming a judge. judge. Yes, she does. I gotta ask though. Yeah. Is that a conflict? Like, can you Oh,
2: she says that at the beginning, she's like, Well, this is embarrassing. My first case, and I'm gonna have to recuse myself.
1: Oh, yeah. right, is that what she said? And then okay. they have a little
2: laugh, and I'm like, I love you guys. That's so sweet. Mm.
1: That's really funny. Um, yeah. There there were some good lines there when he was talking to his ex-wife as well. Um, and she says, the tree that doesn't bend breaks. And his reply bend was too
2: far and you're already broken. And you're already broken. Oh!
1: Beautiful. He's my main poetry. Mm-hmm. Thank you, David Simon and Ed Byrne. That was <laughs> wonderful. There's some great stuff there. So Daniels doesn't like doesn't really theoretically get a lot to do except sort of be that ticking time bomb and when's he gonna find out what's yeah. gonna happen. And we get some fo- like the end of his story in terms of his time in the police department. But I loved every every time him and Ronda are on screen is always great. Yeah. I don't have anything more to say about it though, beyond that. I what mean, it kind
2: of made me sad that we didn't get to see Daniels and Carcetti have a conversation about altering the stats because they Mm. seem to have had quite a respectful and close professional relationship in a lot of ways um and you know daniel reiterated the fact that kakati said he was for real Mm. and then that council president whatever lady comes in and she's like you gotta do it you gotta do it and then we all of a sudden are at that promotion ceremony thing with Daniels and Carver, mm. and then it's just kind of revealed to us that Daniels is out. That's the last thing he's going to be doing in the police force. So I was like, "What? Oh, I thought there was going to be a moment where he like, yeah, with Katie, but not." And that's that is what it is. But I, I would have liked maybe a little scene there.
1: Um, it's a shame they never. Ron trying to pin down um, Clay Davis as well,
2: and mm. that
1: doesn't happen. There was that. There was an interesting scene when he was in front of the grand jury. And he was sort of doing his thing and mm-hmm. playing to the to the jury and so forth. I was a little frustrated with the way that was edited, though. I really wish I could have seen Rhonda, like, her side of that yeah. thing a little bit more. Just because I want to see where she's stuffed up. I have so much confidence in her as a prosecutor yeah. that to not have... Just to see really his mm. work and not her ability to try and uh, engage and fight back on that... Yeah, just felt it was a little cheap.
2: I, 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 yeah, no, I, I understand that, but I also think because the way Clay Davis goes through his life, the way he wins, and I think how a lot yeah. of people, I think this season is very much about that, is like who's able to tell the biggest lie. Yeah, and they will win. Ronda can't lie. Yeah, <laughs> he he can say whatever he wants, and so he wins.
1: Um, Carver this season.
2: Mm, now he's a Daniels.
1: He is Daniels. Yeah. I really just love... We've talked about this last season as well. I love how they've evolved that character. Mm-hmm. I love thinking about him and Herc when those two knuckleheads are on the street. Yeah, stealing. and I hated them. giving money off the top, yeah, and stuff Ugh, like that. Yeah. But to see how, how far he's come mm-hmm. and... To the- see him
2: have a conversation with Herc and be like, you know that kid that you were meant to hand over to Bunk? That was really... What you did was really, really bad. And it affected people. I was like, thank you.
1: Yeah. yeah. And even just seeing the frustration of him being a boss. like There's mm. a scene where he's doing the morning, daily things or whatever. And he's trying to like, guys, come on, we have going to do our jobs. Yeah. Oh, by the way, first thing, you can't do this anymore. And everyone <laughs> just like walks out. It's like, fuck, man, that's yeah. no position. I'm glad I'm not your, doing your job. That sucks. That sucks. Yep. And again, Carver doesn't get a lot to do except pass on uh, the Marlow's phone number phone onto... Number. Yep. yeah and sort of take a little bit, of, get a little bit of uh, some of the McNulty love when McNulty's dishing out money to yeah. people. Like that, that was actually that was just one more thing of McNulty. That was an interesting position to put him in, put him in the position of someone of power for a while, mm. and just let him see how he handles that. Yeah. And even then, that got corrupted when someone said they were going to run him out, and he mm-hmm. had to give money to a, a guy who was going to go. What he was off to meet? He
2: was going to go for a golf thing. Yeah, he was going days, for a something. golf thing for a couple yeah. of days,
1: and just see even that couple of weeks where he had power. Already starting to be mm-hmm. manipulated. Um, but Herc, I don't want to spend too much on Herc because Herc's big <laughs> shit. It was an interesting thing where at one point I thought, you know, maybe he's going to get his, uh, his moment to sort of make up for some of the bad things he's done when he gets the Marlowe number. To- yeah, I
2: thought, oh, okay, this is kind of cool.
1: But no. But no, he's just a piece of shit. <laughs>
2: he's always a piece of shit.
1: Just, yeah. and of all the people to end up siding with is that fucking, I can't remember his name, but the um, the defense attorney mm. that has been working with um, Avon and uh, now Marlowe. Yeah. just, fuck's sake, man. And
2: it just, like, reiterates the point that Herc was never interested in, like, justice or being, like, a good guy. He was just all about power. And just a and pat like, on the
1: back as yeah, well. Like, he just he sits there like just he so happy when mm. he's talking about having a round bought for him or whatever it is by, um, and being introduced to influential people by mm. his boss. He's fucking loving that. He just yeah. loves getting a little pat on the head, being mm-hmm. told you're doing a good no. job.
2: Stupid bald head. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's mainly for the stuff the police department. The, I don't want to go, again, we've got to keep moving because we're going to run out of time here. The politics side of things, we talked about Carcetti a lot. Was there anything else about Carcetti you wanted to talk about?
2: No, I've already mentioned how his ambition meant he just kind of moved on from fixing the problem.
1: Yeah, Burrell and Rawls, um, they're just ongoing. Just I mean,
2: same old, same old bullshit. They're yeah.
1: bullshit going on. I did, a little detail I love though was mm-hmm. that Prop Joe and Burrell went to school together. Yeah, That was a great <laughs> little, just like this, I mean it is, that makes sense. They yep. totally could have done that. They would have been in the same communities for sure. Um, and both of those people, Burrell lost his position and prop joe was killed in the same episode they both got taken out Uh, so let's talk about the streets then um marlo obviously not al not the most uh engaging of characters in the show no um
2: I, i was just interested i was like prop joe what are you doing giving this guy everything he needs to no longer need you yeah i was like stop doing it
1: i i found this stuff interesting right so the marlo is yeah taking over essentially he's taking over prop joe's position and taking control of the connect mm-hmm. and with that you know the entire co-op and there's a few things that were confusing to me yes prop joe playing along with this but also even the greek i wasn't really sure what the greek was getting out of this yeah. so much it
2: seemed very easy one, just like Marlowe being able to kind of like get him on side. Yeah. Win him over very easily. When we know the Greek to be like so suspicious of everything. Well, this is the thing. So
1: wary. I just don't believe that... I Maybe I missed it. Mm. But what was the argument that would... Uh, why would the Greek be okay with anybody coming in and changing the system that's working?
2: He wouldn't be, I don't think.
1: I didn't understand that at all. Mm. I did understand for someone who... So as
2: reliable as Prop Joe. He wants
1: this to be simple and mm-hmm. reliable. And Prop Joe is as good as you're gonna get in that world, yep. you would think. So to give it over to someone you don't know to Who allow that to happen.
2: Clearly it shows like no loyalty to anyone. We'll just kill you at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that one.
1: I found that I found that a little bit um that to me was less Ultimately believable than the serial killer stuff. Like I just found that I, knowing the, the we know the, the Greek to be such a careful person, the way they operate with communicating mm. and stuff like that, yeah. they just felt a little too easy, as you said. Yeah. Um. I did a scene I did like with Marlowe though was when he was they'd been arrested, and he found out that Avon had been going around talking shit about him on the streets. Mm. And I, I Omar Omar. Thanks. Sorry, Omar had been going around talking about the streets. I've been I've been getting that wrong since season one, by the way. Avon Omar, and. Omar. <laughs> and and I swear, and I'm probably wrong, but it felt like it was the first time I've ever seen Marlowe really get emotional. Mm-hmm. And he raised his voice and he was yelling. And he was talking about his name is- My name is my name. yeah and seeing maybe for the first time mm. what really motivates and drives life. That's exactly
2: what I thought. I was like, oh, okay. So, there's like a passionate motivation that I can kind of understand.
1: This reputation mm-hmm. it was what was important to him. And so, that was great. It was good timing for that as well because it was right before the end of the season where he is like, I'm, I'm getting out. I've been told by my lawyer. I just can't be involved in this anymore. Mm. Tries to get into like legitimate business dealing with his money <laughs> and then gets there not for me. Yeah. walks his way back to the street and takes a corner back. <laughs> like yeah. Which is interesting on two levels. One, it it shows what he's about. Mm-hmm. But two, that's exactly the thing that was going to get the case against Marlowe brought back up and theoretically get him put in jail. Mm-hmm. So maybe not all was lost. Possibly in a in a future, not too distant future, Marlowe ends up going to jail anyway.
2: But then also McNulty and Freeman would go to jail.
1: Quite possibly. Yeah. Quite possibly. So who knows? Mm, interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I. I'm, it's good they didn't go there. Um, do you want to talk Mike about Michael much here? There was a couple of interesting things with him. There was the bit where his mum tried to get money from him. He was like, "I'm not paying you to you be, my be my mother." Mom? Yeah, love that line. Very good. And then just sort of seeing him have a moral conflict with the whole murdering thing and why they were doing it yeah. when people didn't deserve it mm-hmm. until eventually he was
2: playing a real D'Angelo. Real day in that being like, what are you doing? Except he yeah. was
1: ahead of the game more than yeah. D'Angelo was yeah, in the end. Was. Yeah, he was. And saw Snoop coming. Well, he
2: didn't have family loyalty blinding him. Yeah, That's was, true. Yeah, I love that he outsmarted them and was like, nope, I know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I thought that was a really interesting scene for Snoop, not a character that was... I'd, like. There's not a her- She's got a character, but we don't dive deep into her. Mm-hmm. But just really how, realizing how fucked up she must be. Yeah. The way she just accepts... Like, oh, that was my time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I got played. Um, That's they, like her they, whole world is that. Yeah, well, she just talks about everybody she kills. Is like, oh, it's not, it's not about right or wrong. It's, it's just, just it's the, their it's time. time yeah. And she just accepts that it's her time and just That's really sits there up. and gets her brain. Like, it just shows out. you
2: like how little value for life she has.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Including her own. Mm. Um, Omar. Mm. So... Last season, (laughs) last episode, you said, I would like a scenario where Omar can just uh, disappear and go and live on a desert island by himself. (laughs) That is legitimately what was happening. He was on some little island somewhere living life. Should have fucking stayed there. Should have fucking stayed there. Um, So there's a couple of things to. How did you feel, A, about just, you know. I, I, we saw this coming, right? Mm. That Omar was going to get sucked back into the game somehow because how could he not? He couldn't have a happy ending. It just yeah. wasn't possible. So then he comes back. He's trying to get back for the murder of the blind person. whose name I don't remember. Butchie. Butchie, thank you. And then ultimately it's to a firefight that involves him jumping out of a window, window. and surviving. Mm. I think broke his leg. His leg is fucked up, it's no hooked, doubt about ugh. it.
2: I was like thinking, I was like, that's probably gangrenous and fucked up right
1: now. At one, at that point though, I did kind of go without any explanation as to how it, what happened there. I did feel like that might have been the jump the shark moment. I was like, how the fuck do you survive that? <laughs> I found I that, love that even an like, that's
2: some Spider Man shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I found that kind of crazy. Um but then, so he's limping around. He's totally lost it. He's just looking for his final fight with Marlo, basically. Mm-hmm. Just trying to bait that guy out. Yeah. And then, while he's getting cigarettes, mm-hmm. gets his brains blown out out of nowhere by a kid. Yeah. Now, you knew that he died this season. did. I you did. know how?
2: No, I had no idea how. I, did you cause... see it coming? No, I didn't.
1: Fuck me either.
2: I, can I be honest with you? Yeah. So, I was watching... The wire on my computer, and I was on my phone, and then I looked up, and Omar was on the floor. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I better rewind that. And then I saw, it, I was like, holy shit, that's a little kid. Damn,
1: just a little kid, but so out of nowhere, mm. very Game of Thrones esque. I've yeah. talked, I've compared these things before. Yeah, this true. is a very Game of Thrones mm-hmm. thing to do, just to unceremoniously, without getting the um, the justice you feel that character deserves, just mm-hmm. done. Yeah in an instant. <laughs> Fuck did not see that coming, especially a character who's as popular as Omar is. People still to this day talk about their boy Omar. Mhm. So to just have him gone like that, you cuz you were aware of this.
2: I was cuz I had before Because back in the day of season 1 of Game of Thrones. A very well, a, like car- a character ago, yeah. character gets killed and it was all over social media people talking oh. about how they killed that person. Right. And how shocking it was. And the way that they expressed that shock was similar to I remembered a death that had happened in The Wire, which was Omar.
0: Yeah. So, he
2: was talking about, like, you know, they got my boy Omar and stuff. And so, I knew he was going to die. Uh, but I had no idea how or, yeah.
1: Are people, do you have any sense that people are disappointed with the way he died or they just talk about the shock of it and like...
2: I never got a sense of disappointment. No. Just the shock, I think,
1: was what got people... I mean, yeah. it's just, it's just the, the tragic end that a character who could have maybe finally got away with something gets sucked back in and yeah. the the game kills him as it was always going to. Yeah. As it's always going to with all of these characters. Absolutely. I no mean, one ever gets away. Except for Pooh who ends up working at Footlooker.
2: Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Good on him. Um, yeah, I mean, of course... When we see what happens to Butchie, we expect Omar to come back and seek vengeance. Yeah, and I think naturally, because of how we've been trained to watch story, we want that story to be satisfied. Oh, of course, to have that end of you know justice and fairness, but that that ain't the wire. Mm-hmm. So. It sucks because we don't get what we want, but it fits the story and is satisfying in that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Um, oh, anything else would have been disingenuous. Absolutely. Like absolutely. The, the, Him getting away with the money last season and disappearing onto an island. Was... Yeah, it's like, really? No. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but like, of course, the character like Omar is going to die like that. Yeah. I mean, he instilled fear to those around him and he used violence to do it. Yeah. And as he walked down the street, you know, People would run away from him. Kids would run away from him. So, if you're instilling that fear in a neighborhood, that fear is going to come back at you from like, and it can be from anyone because you've instilled it in everyone. Mm. So, yeah, I think it kind of makes sense that a little kid is just like, I killed you. And even he just, killed the boogeyman.
1: He got conditioned to put his guard down as well because he could just do it. He yeah, could walk exactly. from his home to go and get some Cheerios or whatever or some mm-hmm. honey crunchy nut or whatever. Oh, it's it going to be honey crunch. Yeah. Honey crunch. <laughs> and people would drop drugs. You yeah. know, run away, mm-hmm. the sight of it's him. Omar. Is, it's mama. Oh, mama. It's all And so he's just conditioned to just feel invincible. Expect that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was a sad ending. What about Bubs this season? Oh, Bubs. I liked what they did with Bubs yeah, this season. Yeah, me too. I thought it was very satisfying to see him improving, mm-hmm. reforming, mm-hmm. and see him struggle with that as well. Yes. As much as he's getting clean to. I also like the the stuff with the reporter and just trying to find the what Bub's story can offer other people as well. Mm-hmm. It was nice. It was nice to. It's the closest thing to a happy ending we get pretty much this entire show. Yeah. Um, yeah. True.
2: No, I I think it was it was needed for a bit of balance to mm. have that kind of because it's a character that we for a lot of us are so attached to. To mm-hmm. we feel a great amount of empathy for. It's just a nice little relief to have him be okay, or as okay as he can be after having lived through so much shit.
1: Um, Also... It reminds me just a little bit of the victories that seem to happen. Seem to always happen on a micro level. Like they mm-hmm. happen in, it's, you can improve your situation. Yes, that's it, and that's the only thing you can really do. There can be people around you that can help, mm-hmm. but don't expect the system to do it. Yep. Look to your peers. Look to you your know your family. family yep. Those sorts of things. And that was similar as well. Into we got a little bit of bunny this season. A very very little and bit of bunny. A bit of bunny. Uh, what's the name of the kid he adopted? Ah. Uh. Yeah.
2: Ramond? right? It's like Raymond, I think, but it's from oh, I can't remember.
1: Hey, namond Na- namond thank Sorry. you. Sorry. Naymond yeah. is like doing like a s-
2: debate, killing it,
1: killing it, mm. killing it, um, and seeing that improvement and seeing that Bunny's doing well, seeing the frustration from Bunny as well about mm. this. the like, oh, mare. you
2: can't do anything cool.
1: Yeah, but the yeah, exactly, but the. Good to see, like, just that that didn't get fucked up. Mm-hmm. You always worry that anyone who yeah. ends up in a happy place is going to get fucked over. But good to see that Naaman is, has been able to change his the, the course of his yeah. life. Uh, let's finish up pretty quickly by talking about the media side of things, which is a significant part of this season. Yeah. But kind of almost its own separate show. Mm. Yes, the stuff that's happening with Scott, the dodgy reporter who likes to make up quotes and exaggerate things. Yeah, or lie. Sort of, or lie straight <laughs> up. Feeds into... Well, there's a couple of things there. I mean, it's commenting on the media and the importance of the media being truthful. Mm-hmm. It's commenting... Having it's, standards. It's interesting how his actions propel McNulty's story mm-hmm. forward, how they're just both tied up in their own bullshit and they, they're, they're sort of tied to each other and what each other have done. Just one lie being perpetuated by two people from different perspectives mm-hmm. is interesting. That Gus, the suspicion of Gus about I him. Love Gus. Gus is a great character, so
2: beautifully performed. Really, like, really great. So uh, incredible, incredible stuff.
1: And the there's there's been some interesting comments made in here. At this rate, this is a quote. I think it's from Gus. It could be from somebody else. At this rate, there won't be much to call a newspaper in ten years. Ten years later, they're not fucking wrong. Yeah. Ten years later, in reality.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The what they're seeing happen to that newspaper and the degradation of standards and not just from uh, the stories are being told, but how they're being told, investigated, so so forth, is all true. Absolutely. Newspapers have become tabloids. That's it's trash and rubbish and cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. You look at what Fox News is doing, or your the rags that we have in Melbourne, the Herald Sun in particular. Yeah the stuff in the UK, the it's exactly what's happened. And it's so sad to see that called out 10 years earlier and then to <laughs> see it in reality and just go, fuck, man. Mm. I, but wonder, it also made I wonder me where go, Gus would be now.
2: Yeah. It just made me go, well, he'd be riding the wire. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's totally. Just David Simon's experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's exactly what it is. Good point. <laughs> yeah, it's as I was watching, I was like, but how do you stop it? Because the internet is a thing and it was a thing that no one really knew or slash knows how to control mm. or yeah, manage in any kind of way <clears throat> how to release information in a responsible way. And it's certainly very relevant today and something we're still relevant. battling with. Um Hello, yeah, so that was <laughs> that was <laughs> Inter- it was very interesting. I just wish because in the first season we were able to spend so much time getting to know the ins and outs of police work mm-hmm. and the procedures and how the bureaucracy affects it, the part it plays in the community. Because this season was going to be newspapers, the media, I kind of wanted that same amount of attention into it. The way that we got like a lot of that in the schools and stuff. Yeah. And we didn't get that, which I thought was unfortunate, particularly because we have someone like David Simon who knows so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have really loved, 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 loved that. Um, so, that's what I was talking about when I think the shortness of the season might have affected that. Right, yeah. Um, and also in when it comes to the new stuff, the simplicity of <laughs> the good guys and the bad guys. Mm. We have our Gus and then we have our – Head honchos who were clearly just you know they're almost like mustache twirling bad guys. There's, yeah. there, there's a lack of nuance there. Gail, but,
1: Gail yeah. Bedeker is really taking a turn for the worst. Um, the main guy, the curly head one, who's Gail from uh, Gail from Breaking Bad.
2: Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, he yeah. talked at
1: one stage about having a superior product, and I thought that was yeah. really funny thing <laughs> to come from Gail. Um, yeah. The he yeah exactly. He's just like just trying to get. And like you, the thing is, I wish I'd seen a little bit more of their perspective too. Yes, exactly. Because you kind of like, yeah, this this is a business, and they need to be mm. making money. And so, if they are winning Pulitzers, yeah. you know, and getting prestige, then they are able to theoretically survive and yes. do better as a as a newspaper. Yeah. But we spend so much time focused on Gus, who we yeah. love, mm-hmm. but it means that everybody else that's doing the wrong thing, just and Scott as well, yeah. is just the. Yeah, and I, I wonder
2: it because obviously, you know, David Simon, his the way that, I mean, he writes about police work and the things that happen on the streets so wonderfully with such great insight because he's a viewer, perhaps maybe because apparently his experience of The Sun and the guys in charge of The Sun was, in his experience, quite similar to what we see in this season of The Wire. Right. perhaps Perhaps because he was in it and felt like he was the good guy. That's why we might get that perspective. Sure,
1: there's less of that other perspective because that was what he was actively fighting against. He was an observer, he was a participant. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight. Yeah, I think you're right that it might have been if we just had more episodes, that might have helped Mm. too. I also think that if there were more episodes, the pace would have suffered, and I really like the pace of this season. So it's a little bit of like a catch-22. It's It's hard to know which is the better option here. But for something that is as interesting as it potentially could have been, a just I felt like a little bit like an afterthought ultimately. Yeah, that's like how I felt
2: as well. A yeah. fun
1: afterthought. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed every time I went to Gus. I did mm. like those other two reporters. Love Alma.
2: Alma and who's what other reporter? The
1: the guy that was following Bubs.
2: Oh yeah, he's lovely. He yeah.
1: was great. I liked that sort of like the mentor relationship he had with Gus. Yeah. And all and like seeing the positive side of this, the people mm-hmm. that Gus was trying to be good reporters versus yes. fucking Scott, yeah. who just it's oh man. He just want punch. He's got a punchable face, doesn't he? He is the worst. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it just kind of didn't, didn't. Yeah, it just didn't ever feel as integrated into what else was Mm -hmm. going on, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Before we move into final thoughts, the ending, as in the last, sort of like the last last half hour, was almost like an epilogue. Particularly, there's that montage at the end. Mm -hmm. How do you feel? Did you feel fulfilled by what was going on, by what was being said? Um, Seeing everybody. Sort of where they moved on to, sort of people fall into other roles. It all worked for you.
2: It did. I mean, I could see how people would think it's a little much, a little on the nose, but it was a satisfying end for me. I don't. Sometimes I really don't want this really cool kind of open-ended ending. I don't. Sometimes I just want like the end. Mm. This is the end of the story, and it worked for me. I loved it. Yeah. I, 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 when it finished, I was like. Thank you for the journey. I yeah. really appreciate. That's it. That's what it felt
1: like, right? Mm-hmm. It just felt like like we're at the end of the road, the end of the journey here. Mm. This is this is where you get off. The bus is going to keep going. You know, people are going to keep doing things, whatever. Um, there's no mystery really left over, except for maybe that little bit of Marlow going back onto the street, and like oh, the potential of what that means yeah. for, for mm-hmm. further investigations or prosecutions or whatever. But the beyond that, it's just sort of like yep. And this is where we leave things. Mm-hmm. What did you like the stuff with McNulty on the bridge? the line when he gets back into the car and says, let's go home. I
2: mean, I saw it coming about five minutes earlier. <laughs> I was like, I, well, I, now I know what the line's going to be. Um, yeah, it was fine.
1: Um, I, just, ma- I just wish that was- last shot wasn't so obviously poorly <laughs> blue screened. <laughs> I don't know screens. what you mean. Because it was like, it was the right shot, <laughs> yeah. like the framing of it, the having him drive away, but what they didn't you do- You just see
2: the fuzzies around his nose.
1: Because the fuzzies around his nose and also the fo- the shot in the background, I'm pretty sure, I only saw it the one time, looked like it was in focus at all times. Mm. So when you've got something so close to the foreground and something so far in the background, both in focus, it always looks fake. Yeah. And so as soon as he drives away, it's already in focus and you're like, oh, that, that just did not work on any level. <laughs> it, it is a real change. It's a limitation of the technology back then. Yeah. but. Listen, I'm not going to ding at a point because of that one little uh, flub. All right. Let's move on. Final thoughts.
0: Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. All
1: right. I got a couple of side notes. I'll go through them quickly. Uh, Cuddy did show up for like, uh, like one episode. Yeah,
2: that's right. Five minutes, episode
1: yeah. five. And I was thinking to myself... Where's he? He's being introduced in season three. Surely he's going to have a bigger part to play. He, gets, he mm-hmm. shows up and then disappears again. Yeah. Um, it's sad
2: that Dookie didn't think to maybe head over there mm, when he
1: was homeless. Maybe. That would have been helpful. There's a bit, well, the episode that ends with Kima when she's looking after sort of the baby. Mm. There's the final shot of her on the window and you can hear the sirens and stuff like that if you look real closely, it's obviously there's shining this massive fucking spotlight on her window. <laughs> it's like, it's so bright. I was like, Jesus, conv- the way that street lights up is very convenient for this shot. The way it just, yeah. she makes her glow. You'd
2: hate it if, you know, that was your bedroom though. You got that spotlight on you every <laughs> yeah, night.
1: Exactly. I did also like the bit where the FBI are doing the profiling on and the it's McNulty. And <laughs> McNulty to a fucking T. Was I love really that, yeah, funny. he's like,
2: they don't work. They just tell you things you already know, blah, blah, blah. And then he's just like sitting there wide-eyed being like, like, oh god yeah
1: another daniels and ronda moment that i love is when i'm pretty sure it's when freeman's brings the case that can get Marlowe, and mm. and he calls up ronda and he just says and he's amazing voice ronda dear are you sitting down and it's just like <laughs> oh, that was a terrible impression but it's just yeah. like imagine it with oh man so just beautiful uh i also love the little moment between freeman and Marlowe once they've caught him and he looks at the clock, you mm. like picks up the clock and then like-
2: looks at, And then looks at Marlo.
1: Yeah, and then like takes it away with him. I thought that yeah. was just beautifully acted little scene. <laughs> um, whoa, Prez Belusky, more like Prez Oh, right? get out. How <laughs> good was that? How good was his beard? It was pretty
2: uh, glorious. I did enjoy that a
1: lot. It was nice to see him again. I kept wondering if we we're going to mm, see much of that. It and was. It was good to see him just a little bit uh, in the last episode or two. And finally, Commissioner Bolchek. Fucking hell. Of all the awful things to happen, having Bolchek get commissioner is one of the lowest lows. What a kick in the teeth that is. It's
2: like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. It was
1: always coming. He played his role, right? He just sort of stayed out of the way and let other people do their bullshit.
2: But every now and then would be like, here I am. Yeah. Here I am. Oh, don't forget me.
1: Yeah, I'm around. Least favorite... And favorite episodes. What your, what's your least favorite episode of the season, Damask?
2: I actually don't have a least favorite episodes. Yeah,
1: I struggled. I ch- I'm choosing episode four transitions. It's not a bad episode. I just thought it had a little bit less momentum than others. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a bit more table setting. Um, it's the one that ends with Prop Joe being killed. Mm-hmm. And that's the bit... I was struggling to understand how anyone was trusting Marlowe.
2: Yeah, so fair I, enough.
1: I just found that... It's like in terms of the, I mean, the serial killer thing, if you want to talk about logic loopholes and stuff, you can make an argument <laughs> for that. But I found what the Greek was doing to just be incomprehensible to me, that he Fair was enough. cooperating yeah. with him at all. And some of them made that my least favourite. Good choice. What about your favourite episode? I
2: just went with the... I mean, obviously, there was a lot that I could have chosen. Mm. Um, I mean, that's always the case with The Wire because they really... Every episode needs the rest. You know, yes. it's so beautifully constructed as one whole Definitely. thing. But I'm just going to go with episode 10, 30 because it was a great way to wrap up the show. Um, it was perfect in all of its Wireness. Um, it stayed true to its mandate. It was always about the degradation and destruction of an American city and American ideals. It was all that all the way through. And perfect full stop to that to that story. Yeah. What about you?
1: Ditto. Yeah. <laughs> we got nothing else to add to that. Yeah. I tell you exactly the same way. Ten's my favorite. I love that it was it was 90 minutes. And I'm like when I started the episode and I was like, I was gonna be a little bit like, oh man, it's gonna be over soon. Mm. I'm really sad. And I saw 90 minutes I was like at least get that extra thirty. That's nice. A little half episode extra. Thanks, guys.
2: Remember, like, you definitely don't have that opinion when you're watching the finale episode of Orange is the New Black.
1: No, yeah. The like, opposite. God damn it!
2: <laughs> <What>? 30 <laughs> minutes! I've got a life to live! Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, what? Okay, let's just finish by quickly just going over our overall feelings on the why. We finished uh-huh. it. This journey, we were both told this is a show we had to watch. Mm-hmm. You've done it. You've finished yes. it. How do you feel?
2: It's... Well, it sounds I feel dumb. It was a great show. It was mm-hmm. so well done all the way through the performances are incredible. Mm. Um is this a show that I'm going to be going to be like, "Oh my god, you need to see this show." It's actually not for me. Yep. Because it's not coming from a place of joy, I guess. Like sure, I sure. I remember starting this and being like I felt like my impressions were like this is kind of like a boys' show, which is, I know a dumb thing to say, but you know, you know what I mean. Like it's yep. cops and stuff, and I'm not really interested. Cops and robber shows. Yeah, I'm like I'm not really <laughs> interested in that kind of stuff. And like it's think, very
1: it's a very male dominant show yeah, as well. There are some good female characters. there, yeah, it's a lot of boys. Boys yeah. club.
2: Um, and I think that's still true. This still isn't my kind of show, mm. but I recognize how beautifully constructed and executed it is. So full respect to this show. What about what are your Final emotions.
1: I really really loved it. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad I've have seen it. I feel better about this show than I do about Breaking Bad. So the two shows that we've done so far that are really meant yeah, to be me like too, the That's greats, right? Mm-hmm. Um I like Breaking Bad a lot, but I found... The further I get away
2: from Breaking Bad, the more I dislike it. Yeah. Well, the,
1: some of the flaws of that show up a little bit more to me. Mm. The ending being problematic, the season four, which i got to tell you, a lot of people fucking love season I four. Know. We are definitely I don't get the it. weirdos that mm. kind of have problems with the way Gladly. that season ended. I'm happy. I'm I happy still think it yeah. was a terrible ending of that season. Um, the slow start that took a while to get into. Yes, it definitely had some really high highs. Mandius will forever be one of the best... Episodes of television ever watched, fantastic. Mm -hmm. Some great performances, stuff like that. But this show to me was just a much better whole. It was going from season to season. I felt like it had so much to say. Mm -hmm. Um, Breaking Bad sort of just kept pushing its premise as far as it could until it sometimes got to places that was ridiculous Mm -hmm. and got to a place where people were. The the thing that frustrates me about Breaking Bad still is just that-
2: I still don't know what it was saying.
1: <laughs> well, that's the problem, right? I still don't know what it was saying. Yeah. Whereas this, it's not saying- The Y is not saying anything definitively, but it's making you think a lot. It's making me consider- It's saying a wh-
2: this is it. This is what we all live in. Yep. Isn't it
1: fucked? In doing it in a very detailed, mm-hmm. well-written, well-performed, mostly entertaining way.
2: Yep. And responsible.
1: Responsible way. way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and- I feel better now that I live in a post-the-Wire world. I do feel like- We
2: certainly all benefit from it.
1: I really do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like as someone who wants to be, who, who like, is an enthusiast of TV, mm-hmm. it was important to watch this show. Yeah, and now I know why. And it's, really, it's really interesting when you hear things like, oh, you need to watch Sopranos, you need to watch The West Wing, you need to watch The Wire and stuff like that. And having this little impression just based on pop culture on what those shows are- and mm-hmm. I never really had much of an idea in my head of what The Wire would be, mm-hmm. except good, right? Oh, it must yeah. be great. But now having watched it, I totally understand the hype. I do feel like it should be considered one of the best shows on television. Mm-hmm. I it might, I, will, I don't think it'll be my favourite show on television. Yeah. And we sort of talked about that when we talked about last season as well. But I, for someone who's really um, interested in the art or the or the medium of television, or even just storytelling in general... I would definitely, mm. definitely champion this show. Yeah. And I'm really, really happy I saw it. I I really loved it. Yeah. Really loved it. I'm really sad it was over, but also glad it didn't end it ended when it should have. Mm. That's lovely. Totally.
2: And I also like have to respect really how different it was, how it took fiction, but in a in a reporting kind of way, in a mm-hmm. journalistic kind of way. And made it fascinating to watch. It just I mean, true crime is very big now yeah, and it has not has an essence of that. But without the sensationalist aspect that I think a lot of true crime has, like this actually felt like I'm actually watching some true crime, like mm. how it really works and not coming from a a stance of the society around it judging yeah. the crime and how it exists. Yeah, it's just like it felt like reporting to me and I loved it.
1: The This is going to sound really dumb, mm. but when I was watching The Dark Knight the other night, just sort of on the background while I was mm. doing some other things, the One of the side effects of watching The Wire is all of a sudden when they're talking about um, DAs and like <laughs> the mayor's talking about commissioners and blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh, I kind of get all this a little bit better now. We well, like,
2: an education. I
1: feel like I've been educated a little bit. I mm-hmm. feel like I get a better understanding of how that works. They're doing a little mini wire thing in here. Mm-hmm. And sure, The Wire is not the first thing to do that, but it did it in such a way as to make me – I will always associate that sort of drama with The Wire now because mm-hmm. it did it so well. So even something as silly as The Dark Knight, I was just like, <laughs> cool. I get it. You've been schooled. I get I get I get why there's conflict between Commissioner Gordon and um, and Harvey Den here <laughs> and the mayor. Um, is there anything, any particular highs you want to champion or lows you want to bring up now? I will always remember Kima's being shot in season one. Oh shit, yeah. As being yeah. such a watershed moment for the show. Mm-hmm. Um in season three, the stuff with Bunny and the experiment. Uh, in, was that season? No, season season three. Yeah, season you know, three is right, the experiment right. with in Gee. with the legalizing drugs as being a really Amsterdam. bold move. Amsterdam. Oh, I ben- loved
2: that. Yeah. Oh my god, you're bringing back all these beautiful memories. Just how mm-hmm. cool
1: a concept that was that a show could really mm-hmm. just take a t- time to do something like that and like go, let's look at this for a second. Mm-hmm. The same with the schooling system in season four, mm-hmm. um, and while the serial killer thing doesn't have that. Real social application. I did like where it took our characters and it made for a satisfying conclusion to the characters we were introduced to in season one. Mm. I felt like it was a great way to come full circle. Um, the lows for me will always be Ziggy. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking Ziggy. <laughs>
2: terrible. What about so you, bad. anything in particular? No, I think you I mean, one, my memory is terrible, um, but no. it's. I'm trying to think of... I mean... Stringer Bell being chased through that house by Omar. Fucking
1: Stringer Bell, man. It were two seasons since he's mm. been killed. Like Idris Elba, killing it, man. Oh, so good. So good. It was so sad when he left. Mm-hmm. Marlo never, never stood up.
2: No, not it came close to at what all. Stringer Bell was not at all. bringing
1: to the table. <sighs> not even a, close. I, I, I do look forward to watching the show again. I do look forward to much slower pace, mm-hmm. bit by bit. Watching from season one, knowing how things go, and watching these characters where they start, how they stay consistent, what changes, how things play out—like even DeAngelo—I'm so fascinated to go back to D, mm. and like he only lasts a season and a half.
2: Yeah, that's but crazy was so to me. important
1: in season one, right? Mm-hmm. He's the linchpin with which everything else revolves around that season. He just gets rid of in season two, and trying to digest all that stuff again. Be really interesting.
2: Yeah, I'll re watch it in about 10 years' time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mine, it won't be immediately. <laughs> yeah. But one day I'll get to it. Maybe if I can get my girlfriend or brother or something to watch it, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll watch it with them. It'll be cool. That's it. We're done. This was a pretty epic episode of Hunting Seasons. and We thank you for listening. Um, if you'd like to contact us, you can do so via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can email us at contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com. You can tweet us at HuntingSCast. You can find myself, Broderick Gordas, on Twitter at gordes B-G-O-R-D-E-S, where I have uh, what I've been doing this week. I've been posting about... I watched, sort of half watched in the background, mm. the Tim Burton original Batman movie. Oh, yeah. I... I'm sure I watched as a kid. Mm-hmm. I've never really watched it. I was more of a Batman Forever sort of guy. I watched a lot of that one when I was a kid. Yeah. was just the right age when it came out. Mm-hmm. I've been a big fan of the Nolan um, Batman films, except for the third one, which was kind of trash. Batman, the original Batman, does not hold up <laughs> in any... Anyway, I I think there's some good stuff from Jack Nicholson, definitely, and it's probably a product product of its time. Do
2: you think? But I as
1: struggled, I really struggled to watch that movie. As
2: a bit of camp cinema, do you think it holds up? Which I think is the intent.
1: Um, because I think you, it you're, does. Prob- you're probably right. You're probably right that I've been spoiled. I'm living in a post, you know, Christopher Nolan Batman. See, I don't like the Christopher world. Nolan ones. See, I love the Christopher... Batman. Batman Whereas Begins like, for me is my Batman. I'm
2: more of a Tim Burton Batman gal.
1: See, I... Um, no. Michelle
2: for as Catwoman. <laughs>
1: like, again, there are elements that mm. I like. They're, you can take individual yeah. parts and I'll go, yeah, I like that.
2: I just find them so fun but also terrifying. I don't know. I, I really like them. I think... And they're so camp. Like the...
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I've, maybe I've just never responded to that side of things. Right. I don't know what it is. But there's like... There's bits where... <laughs> so... Despite rumours, you are not gay. Yeah, exactly right. Where, there's a, where the bit after the, the Jack Nicholson falls into the vat and like the police are going to take out Bruce and he's, sorry, Batman, and he just does this like turning his whole body to look <laughs> around him. And, and I was just like, I can't uh, for a second take, yeah. like immerse myself in this movie at all. Yeah,
2: but I think you're about to say take seriously and I think that's where you're going wrong. Well, maybe I was.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, possibly. I just I didn't enjoy a it. a bit I'll of fun. I would. I think I'd enjoy it more if we were to do what we've done in the past, get drunk, drunk and watch and it. Drunk and I would, I would love it that yeah, way. Yeah. That'd be yeah. my favourite movie ever that way. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> apart from that. Uh, Damask, how can people find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. On Twitter, um, I think I was recently, because I'm working at the Comedy Fest at the moment, so I just mentioned that I was lucky enough because of that to see Celia Picola perform and she was wonderful. So I just just wanted to let her
1: know that she was wonderful. Thanks, Celia. Mm. I know you're listening.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Good friend. Good
1: friend. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you to Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws for his logo and design work. Thank you, Jordan Calavis for our theme song and Lucas Heil of Birthday Loyalty Club for our bumpers. Find their links in the show notes. If you enjoy what we do here, we'd really appreciate you sharing the podcast with others uh who you think might enjoy listening to it we also pre- appreciate your positive reviews on iTunes Google Play Stitcher uh, YouTube and whatever podcast podcast platform you return i should slow down next week we'll be back to discuss discuss the reboot season 1 of Lost in Space so Yay. this is the Netflix original Lost in Space series I'm kind
2: of excited I'm
1: um very excited having watched the first couple episodes already I'm mm. um, uh, I don't want to put too much out there, but I'm going to say the pilot was a very good pilot, I thought. <gasps> Yay! I okay, was good. really impressed mm-hmm. with what they were aiming to achieve and what they did. Mm-hmm, and cool. you're going to love it. Yay! because it's very, very character-focused. Noise. That's which my is jam. Which is your thing. And mm-hmm. to join us next week, we're going to have a very special guest in Cameron Williams, who um, he's a TV and film critic. He does reviews on the ABC and for a number of different publications and so forth. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to having him on the show. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. We will see you next week. Catch you later. Bye. Bye.
0: Melbourne's Podcast Network, earbudsnetwork.com.